This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio, Sirius 143. And uh, we are once again Dr. Mattless. He's a little under the weather, but that's okay. He shall return soon. But his loss is my gain because today I get to speak with our Washington insider, Joe Cannon, about what's been going on over the past week in politics. And uh, let me tell you, the, the answer is there's quite a lot going on. Quite a lot. And I'm on top of the world today. I'm not going to say why exactly, but uh, I'm going to share that information with Joe Cannon. Let's just say he doesn't watch a certain baseball team on Sundays, so I might have to fill him in on the exciting news of what happened last night. It was pretty amazing, and I'm wearing my blue. It's a so Malibu if, blue. If, that's, if, that, if those weren't enough hints for you, then, then you'll just have to wait. You'll have to wait until we get Joe Cannon on the line here in about 12 minutes or so. But uh, we have a huge show for you, huge. In addition to speaking with Joe Cannon, we're also going to be replaying an interview with Dr. Lori Shemek uh, about easily rewiring your brain for success. She's got one simple action to help you do that. So you're That's have... the silliest thing I've ever heard. No, 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 no. It's the most amazing thing you've ever heard. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. And he's not even doesn't even have that job anymore. Sean Spicer's out, oh, which is right. something we we'll should be get speaking... him off of the the hockey's then. No, no, no. We'll keep that. <laughs> and then we'll also um, be speaking with not Coach Kim, but her good friend Nicole Cunningham, who is the COO of Clarity Point Coaching, and she's going to be talking to us about selfishness in our relationships. And uh, seeing if whether or not that's the problem. Huge show, just like I said. <sighs> Terry, there's a lot going on this week. That's what you said over and over. I know. I can't emphasize that enough. Apparently you can't. I'm going to say it again. Did you know there's there... a lot of stuff going on this week? Apparently. <laughs> there's not a little, but there's a lot going on. All of that ahead, of course, we'll end the show by speaking with our good friends at BYU Sports Nation. That's coming up here in a couple of hours. We want to let you know what's going on every minute of the entire show. But first, let's head over to Terry South and find out what's going on around the rest of the country. One man still on the run after a dozen inmates escaped from an Alabama jail on Sunday evening. Still missing, an inmate identified as 24-year-old Brady Andrew Kilpatrick, who was charged with a drug offense. Officials have not yet confirmed how all 12 men were able to escape. At about 6.30 last night, but within a few hours, most had been recaptured by authorities. Apparently, about eight of them had escaped another jail before, so there's some experience here. Whoa. We'll see. Maybe they need to maybe share up a wall or two. Who knows? Confiscate their spoons. Yeah. Residents of Jasper, (laughs) Alabama were asked to stay indoors and turn off all their outdoor lights, or turn on all outdoor lights. Keep them away from your house, basically. Off-duty personnel were asked to assist in the manhunt. So people went into uh, complete... 
what outhouse, doghouse, henhouse, four county. You know, from the, the line from the future. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, you sounded just like Tommy Lee Jones there. That's what that turned into. That so. doesn't give you a good feeling. Uh, just so you know, you want to stay inside your homes with all the doors locked. We lived in a neighborhood in, in California where probably once a week we could hear a helicopter flying overhead. Oh, yeah. So there's always somebody on the run there. They say the best place to live is near the prison because that's where they want to, the prisoners want to get away from. Aha. Uh-huh. So maybe that's Okay. Nice. I don't know. Hmm. Just, that's what I've heard in the past. Seems like, I don't know why it came up. Uh, Ford Motor Company said Friday it will pay to repair police versions of its Ford Explorer SUVs to correct possible carbon monoxide leaks that may be linked to crashes and injuries after U.S. regulators escalated an investigation into 1.3 million vehicle complaints. Ford said it will cover the cost of specific repairs in every police interceptor Explorer SUV that may be tied to aftermarket installation of police equipment. They think there's something that's been added afterwards when you soup up an, uh, the Ford Explorer to the police version that's causing exhaust to leak into the driver's compartment. Ooh. That doesn't sound... You don't have a Ford. You've got a Chevy, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, so you're good. It's not an SUV, so we're fine. Ford the company <laughs> said any modifications may have left holes in the underbody of the vehicles. Ford it, it acted immediately amid concerns by some police departments about safety. City of Austin said Friday it was removing all 400 of the city's Ford Explorers from service. They, um, some of the uh, officers there in Austin have installed CO2 detectors in the car, so like the type you put in your oh house. Oh, my goodness. They're just putting them on the uh, the visors just inside like the car. Just and That's the, crazy. The officers are getting sick, Ooh. so they're like, this is crazy. What are we, you know, and Ford's finally doing something. Uh, two girls recovering from a lightning strike after their dog brought help to the mountainside scene in southern Utah. Authorities say the girls age 8 and six were or eight and 16 were crossing a meadow to explore during a family camping trip when the lightning hit Friday morning, the uh, county sheriff and I down there said the dogs ran back to the campsite, alerted family members. They followed the dog back to the unconscious girls, who were later taken to a hospital. The 8-year-old suffered critical injuries. The 16-year-old, serious injuries. One of them was hit. I think the other one was close by. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so the dog helped. Wow. Saved their lives. I guess. My no, goodness. I, no one would have known they are just out in this meadow. Wow. Unconscious, so. Oh. Is that our hero story? Could be. It's a dog, so I don't know. Lassie. Dogs I kept thinking of Lassie. Terry. I'm pretty sure that was Some, a Lassie episode. Some, sometime Matt, Matt's like, okay, dogs, dog heroes are fine, but it's a dog. Let's try to find a human, dogs, someone we can dogs relate to. Dogs heroes. I like when Matt gets picky about his heroes. <laughs> like, it's a hero. Look what they did. Ah. He did it. It was all right. But, like, this guy, though. one point, he's like, we do a lot of cop hero stories. Ooh, there's of, enough of them. It's kind of their job. So I'm like, <laughs> really? What are we talking about? When you call in sick, you no longer have the ability to say who's a hero and who's not. Yeah, so. I think Terry's a hero. So I mix in a police officer every <laughs> once in a while. But then, you know, let's try to find your fast food worker. Or, you know, yeah. Let's go with the whole gambit of, of occupations here. <laughs> uh, and finally, detectives investigating fraud in Florida hit the jackpot when they executed a search warrant on a suspect's home. He was writing a fraud to-do list when they walked in the door. The Miami Herald reports that 19-year-old Philistone Termine, that's his name, was sentenced last week to four years in federal prison for aggravated identity theft and access device fraud after investigators found the list, among other evidence, prosecutors say Termite admitted to collecting names of Social Security numbers and submitting fraudulent unemployment benefit claims. When investigators traced the false claims to uh, the Internet provider address from his 
home. They just executed the search warrant. Hmm. Termine was in the bedroom writing a list on a legal pad that included buy three phones, one clean, two dirties, and remember to buy credit card information from the, quote, dark web. Check. Milk. Eggs, bread, yeah, right, mixed in there. So he needed he needed one one phone for himself, and then two probably burner phones that he could get rid of, and then you got to find yourself some credit card numbers so you can Seems continue legit. your social security fraud. So his name legit. termite? You said termine. Ter- oh my goodness, Philistone termine. Wow. So you know, my hats off to him in a way because anytime you you make a goal, you want to make sure to write it down. Now, I don't know if he told anybody about it because that's step two. You got to tell somebody about it. Hmm. Uh, kind of somebody... cements the fact that your goal will happen. Yes. You're making a plan. Other people know they can kind of. Right. Oh, hey, how was that plan you, you, were, you were putting together last week? The police found out about it. Did right. you get those so, burner phones ever? I yeah. guess in a way he accomplished step two, but I guess he never was able to follow it through to the end. There's timing involved. Maybe mm-hmm. when the cops aren't kicking your door in. Yeah. Having this sort of evidence sitting around. I don't know. I didn't even get to the to, to check off number two, man. Right. You know, that's more than I accomplished <laughs> over the weekend. I didn't even write anything down. Well, you know, there's so much going on this week. You can't. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of go- a lot going on, I know uh, I saw Dunkirk last weekend. Terry, did, have you seen it yet? I have not. It was number one again at the box office, beat out the Emoji Movie, which I don't think was too difficult to do because that movie has like a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw it at zero. That's yeah. A, it might have the, dropped. That's the greatest movie ever, though. The Emoji Movie is an American classic. You didn't see it. I didn't. Yeah. No. Whenever you see a movie and it's – because emoji, the Emoji Movie had a lot of billboards mm-hmm. just in the areas where I was driving around and it's stuff like – Kindness, and then you have the you know emoji characters up there being kind or something. When when they do like the public service PSA route for a movie, they're trying really hard to promote a movie. Oh sure, that's probably going to be bad. Yep. And you're like, yeah, this really isn't. You don't you don't see like you know Star Wars out there doing their public service announcements of being kind. No, but you do see them on band aids. But that's more just shameless advertising, you know, <laughs> merchandising. It's different. Yeah, it's different. Or, or for months now, before the movie, like they do like an emoji, hey, turn off your phone thing. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, right. Yeah, them, yeah. Instead know, of be, the M&Ms? Well, M&Ms do it. But like when the movies start doing that a couple months out, it's like they're really trying to get you – to be aware this movie exists. Yeah. Well, at least that one makes sense because it has to do with your phone. Well, yeah. And that's why they and have... how the... many movies are going to be able but to do that? That's why they have... The... It, just seems, it just seems like the movies that know from the beginning they're going to struggle start working really hard to get that advertising out there and it kind of gives away the... Yeah, the, the badness that is coming. It's always a, an interesting feeling for studio executives, I'm sure, when they don't screen the movie ahead of time for critics. It's like, okay, we know this movie's going to stink, so yeah. we'll try to we'll try to pull a fast one on everybody. Hey, you know, there's something to be said for it not going straight to DVD. Um, there's something to be said for that. Well, I think it goes back to what Terry was saying about them trying to force it down our throats. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what the the lack of straight to DVD route is more they need to make their bottom line for the month. Yeah, they're trying to make budget, so they're like, oh, we'll just toss this out there. Now there are plenty of movies I wish would have gone straight to DVD. Right, 
<clears throat> Cars 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so that... No, you saw that, and you you got a good nap in it. So you yeah, at least had a good experience. Like I heard it's Lightning McQueen's midlife crisis. And it that's is. It. it is. There he's, you go. He's hey. in a car, and he does midlife crisis. It's great. Anytime <laughs> a, a grown man can get a nap in the middle of the day, that's a good day. Yeah, I I saw like the first half hour. Saw kind of the elements of what they were building. <laughs> I fell asleep, woke up, confirmed everything with my son, and it was just like there we go. There was you that go. on your list? Three phones, two dirty, one clean. Get a nap in. Get a nap in. No, <laughs> Pay I, for a nap. My son, my son is sick, so he's big on having these like themed birthdays. Ah, like he wants a. Ba- it changes every day. He wants a Hulk birthday, then he wants an Iron Man, and then, then he like, does he ever throw in like a random one, like Hello Kitty, or like just no. something like completely random. That's the one I accuse him of, and he goes, <laughs> "No, that's for my sister." And like, oh, fine. <laughs> like he he refuses to have a Wonder Woman birthday. Oh, what? Yeah, and I'm like, Wonder Woman's cool. And he yeah. goes, "No, she's a girl." Look at those great. Well, I keep telling him, he goes, Dad, what kind of birthday do you want? I go, I want a nap birthday. Yo. Yes. I just want to have everyone just take a nap for a couple hours and just, that'd be great. Everyone just be quiet. And he goes, Dad, that's a dumb birthday. No one will like that one. I don't want to do that birthday. And I go, but it's my birthday. I get I'd to do whatever to I want to. And he goes, that's a bad birthday idea. I'll think of a better one for you. Like, right. <laughs> well, we can't wait to hear your review of the Emoji Movie when he requests he's to gonna, see that. He's going to go see it. But just without you. Yeah, with my sister-in-law. You'll conveniently be absent that day. You mean you won't take a nap in It's in not even convenient. It's planned. Okay. It's like oh. you go. I, can't, I didn't see Despicable Me 3, which apparently is close to making $800 million worldwide. Really? Which just, oh, my goodness. It's I that still don't good. Understand. But he went and saw it. He came home, was ranting and raving about how great Despicable Me 3 was. And I'm like, great. I didn't see it. Emphasis on the ranting, I'm sure. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. Smart parenting right there. Yeah. <laughs> Deflect Avoid the movies you don't want to see. Find aunts and uncles that'll run your kid around so you don't have to. There That's you go. That's great. Yeah. Well, Terry, before we uh, speak with Joe Cannon, anything else we ought to know about? This happened uh, last Friday, I think, just over the before the weekend. A British driver survived a major crash in his Ferrari. Only an hour and a half after he bought it. Oh. Police called it a miracle escape, but the car was not so lucky. Uh, police posted a photo of the smoking, wrecked car saying it went airborne and burst into flames beside a highway in northern England. The Ferrari 430 Scudiera. Hmm. Sounds about right. We'll look it up. Uh, worth about $260,000 ended up in a burning heap in a field. Police said the driver had only minor cuts and bruises after Thursday's crash, but they had also detected a sense of damaged pride. Hmm. The force said that the driver told officers, "I've only I only just got it, picked it up an hour ago." What do you think the Kelly Blue Book price of this is now? Um, probably a hundred bucks of scrap. <laughs> See, this is Maybe. where I would insert. And you'd have to pay the... to get it removed. So. You know, it's like he didn't have it insured yet. <laughs> this is where I would insert the doom boom boom. Right. There's so many – there's some uh, blogs that I'll follow occasionally, and you'll see where people who destroy supercars, and it's just – it's all over the globe. People buy wow. these cars. They go whip through a city real fast. They think it's their – you know, the – they think you know, they're really excited. They've never driven a car like this. They get away from them, and they wrap it around a pole or put it into a field. It's Walter great. White did it in Breaking Bad. He did. For different reasons. He did so. it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> didn't they heist? Didn't they heist center a Mustang or something in a parking lot? Was that what yeah. happened? Okay. Yeah, he bought this really expensive car with, let's just say, money he may not have gotten legally, and he bought one for for his son too. And he was upset because his wife said that he had to return both of the cars. Wasn't he trying to keep it low key? I mean, they're not trying to be flashy with all those Ford illegally. Taurus. Right. He has a moment of weakness. He yeah. wants to impress his son. Right. And so instead of returning the car, he uh, does donuts in a parking lot and then explodes it. Oh, yeah. He blew the engine. That yeah. was great. It, that was it great. happens, you know. Then he calls in Saul Goodman to take it, to take care of it. And then it was all good, man. It's all good, man. Another great show. Better call Saul. Some would even argue better than Breaking Bad, which would upset a lot of people. But I might be one of those people that would say that. Anyway, when we return, we're going to be speaking with Joe Cannon, not about Breaking Bad, not about Better Call Saul, uh, but one of my other guilty pleasures, perhaps, along with all the other news of what's going on in politics. When we return, this is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Once a week, it is our pleasure to speak with our good friend Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. He was the chairman of the Utah Republican Party from 2002 to 2006. He is currently the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which you can look up at fuelfreedom.org, and uh, was also a candidate for the U.S. Senate in 1992. And Joe Cannon, I've got some great news for you this morning, because I know you don't watch the games on Sunday, but you've probably already read about it. Joe, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Two wow. words. Uh, yeah. Two words. Kyle Farmer. I know. Isn't that the classiest thing of all? I mean, here's a guy. He's not a kid, by the way, but his first, uh, you know, he's like 27 or maybe a little older. But, uh, yeah, gets a, gets the walk-off hit. Uh, they all They find a way to win. That's all there is to it. It's incredible. It's simply incredible. And this is their 14th sweep of the year. They're 74 wins now, I think they're up to. Yeah, <sighs> 74, and uh, 31 of those, so almost half of those wins were come from behind. That is now, insane. Some, some of those are come from behind, like, you know, in the first, second, or third innings. But, like, not all of them were dramatic last night, but that's, uh, or yesterday, but that's amazing. And they're one ESPN commentator said, "Will they ever lose?" Well, of course they're going to lose, but they are thirty-nine and six in their last forty-five games. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it, it's to the point now where you 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 know you should never turn off the game if they're behind because they most of the time, almost every single time, they find a way to pull off the win. Yeah, no, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, you've got this old guy, Chase Utley. Yeah. Old by baseball standards, stealing a base. Yeah. Stealing a base. Off of Buster Posey, no less. Yeah, which is a big deal. Yeah, of course, one of the best catchers of all time, but also uh, just showing that he'll do anything. They'll do anything. Uh, It's pretty amazing. But, I mean, that that steal, I think, got him in a position to at least tie again. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be an exciting okay, postseason. There was also something else that happened this weekend, though, but not baseball. But okay. for BYU fans, 
uh, Tony Finau, golfer, PGA golfer. He came in tied for fifth place, but only three strokes off the lead in the uh, Canadian Open. And he's like, really? Oh. Yeah, he's like number 24 on the FedEx list, uh, which is big. I mean, he's a, ahead of a lot of really great players. And uh, he's had six top ten finishes. I mean, you know, he's not like rock star status yet, but uh, he'll get there. He's got a lot, a lot of rock star status uh, kind of things going for him. Well, that's great. I'll have to talk to uh, BYU Sports Nation about that at the end of the show. Well, you got three. You got three Latter Day Saints. I, I, BYU, actually, to be really fair, Tony Finau is not a BYU player. Okay, uh, tragic though that may be, but he is a. Uh, but he is LDS from Utah, went to West High School, and uh, he seems like a really nice guy. I, mean, I don't know him at all, but just seeing him, and he just seems like a really nice guy. But you got two other uh, BYU players, Zach Blair and Daniel Summerhays, are also doing pretty well. They're number 115 and 128 on the uh, FedEx Cup ranking. So, you know, we got three Utah-connected LDS-connected folks uh, doing pretty well on the tour. It's been a great weekend. So, uh, Joe... We want to divert ourselves from the nightmare in the other part of the country. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so, Joe, we've got a whole bunch of stuff that we could talk about, and I want to give you the pick of the litter. So I'm not sure if you want to start with with Priebus and Spicer or if you want to talk about McCain first. I'll give you the pick of the litter. Okay, well, we are, let's talk about the week that was. So Priebus, Spicer, uh, you know, General Kelly in, Scaramucci in. I mean, I, uh, wow, what a week. And weirdly, I happened to be back there last week. So it was just a really oh my, yeah. interesting w- watching what was going on. Um, I, I think the Spicer, I mean, probably all of this is connected in some way, although it's not obvious like on the on the surface of it but um you know spicer quits um you know one one wag said well now we'll be spared the hostage videos Uh, some of the the times when spicer was out there it'd be looking like he's on a hostage video yeah try to describe (laughs) things Uh, scaramucci on the other hand uh you know, it could have been a great week for him, and it, it might end up being an okay week, but he just kind of, I think even in the eyes of a lot of Trump partisans, embarrassed himself by uh, just going out totally. He, so he gets named head, uh, you know, communications director, and then he, he attacks, you probably follow this, but he had, in, in the New Yorker magazine, which is clearly a left-wing sure. organ and, and uh, hostile to Trump, talking to a guy named Ryan, Ryan Lisa, who's a, you know, a, he's a kind of an important political reporter. So Scaramucci calls him, just rips in extremely vulgar language, uh, both Priebus and Bannon. So I think the history behind that is Scaramucci was, you know, he became a big uh, Trump supporter, but he started out actually being an Obama supporter, raising money for uh, Democrats, right. taking mostly Democrat positions on things. But then he teams up with, with Trump and 
uh, I, to his credit, I mean, he is basically totally loyal to President Trump, no matter what the position is, whatever his position was, or uh, it's now become Trump's position. So scores high marks on the um, on the loyalty side of things. But then for the communications guy that called, he later says he thought the um, interview, the dis- I don't know, it was interview, the discussion was off the record. But you know, usually reporters are—I think not usually, almost always—reporters are very careful. Uh, part of their code, really, is you know, are we on the record? Are we off the record? Are we on background? I mean, there's a whole uh, array of things that you kind of. Uh, uh, you know, ways that you can talk to reporters and the reporters talk to people they're discussing. But anyway. What I learned he, in school, going to school for broadcast journalism, journalism was nothing is off the record. Well, if no, you didn't learn that. You <laughs> learned that if someone says to you, this is off the record, then you, the reporter, have the choice to say, uh, okay, I agree this is off the record. Okay, or fine, the, 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 uh, the conversation is terminated. So, but but once you go, once you you're genuinely off the record. So, in, in other words, uh, interviewee says, "Okay, I want this off the record." Reporter says, "Okay, it's off the record." I personally don't know of a case, and I spent a few years as an editor, Deseret News, uh, where someone violated that. And also, someone who's been interviewed a lot of times, I've I've never known a person to violate a reporter to violate that off, on the record, off the record. Hmm. Um, uh, test. But anyway, for whatever reason, uh, Scaramucci went off on these guys. But there's a there's kind of a long history to this. So it turns out Scaramucci sold his business, uh, which is uh, fairly lucrative for him, on the basis that he was going to get a job, kind of a high economics job in the Trump White House or administration. Gary Cohn, a very senior person at Goldman Sachs, where Scaramucci had once worked, basically said, no, he's uh, if you want to hire him, great, but I'm not coming on board if that happens. So so he was blocked for a major economic position. Then, you know, kind of pushing around. Trump still liked him. Trump said, no, we'll we'll find you a place. Finally, puts him in the, the communications place, but over the, quote, dead bodies, close quote of um, Bannon and Priebus. Well, so it turns out one of those bodies is dead. The question is, what happens to uh, Mr. Bannon? Uh, Although I think the thinking is right now that the president wants, needs somebody who's connected to his ideological base, not necessarily his Republican base, but his ideological base. Yeah. And Bannon is pretty clearly that guy. And he still has Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne Conway and Bannon are a pretty good team, and I think get a lot of the credit in Trump's mind for for the successful election. So you know, it's all not all of us okay. Now this is all midweek, right? We're all thinking, well, early. Anyways, then all of a sudden the bombshell comes. Priebus is out. Kelly is in, and we'll find out starting today what that all means. But I mean, it's pretty amazing. A lot of observers are saying, you know, from Jim Baker to Newt Gingrich, this could be really good if it works. If it works out, um, you've got a military guy, strong on organization, strong on dealing with staff, uh, could be 
could be a marriage made in heaven, and uh, all of a sudden things get sorted out in the White House, and it starts running like good good White Houses should, with a strong chief of staff who's not particularly ideological, not particularly policy-oriented, but very staff-oriented. In other words, let's get this staff all running on the same cylinders and going forward. Yeah. And Kelly could be that, and he's he's a pretty amazing guy, apparently. And, you know, it could be really good for for entertainment purposes, too, because there's talk of Sean Spicer appearing on Dancing with the Stars, and even Anna Navarro from CNN (laughs) posed the question, does this mean we're going to see Reince Priebus now on Dancing with the Stars? So... (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I think you're right. It could be really interesting if if it can they can pull it off. It could be good. Joe, let's do this. Let's uh, let's come back here in a minute and uh, uh, talk a little bit more about some of these other topics. Maybe even including sure. John McCain and and uh, what was said at the uh, the Boy Scouts of America Jamboree. When we return, this is the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt while he's out sick. We're speaking with Joe Cannon about uh, Sean Spicer is out and Reince Priebus is out. And uh, this new lineup is something that could be really exciting and good for the Trump uh, cabinet. And it's interesting, Joe, when you were talking about loyalties and Scaramucci recently being on the other side of the debate... Uh, I, I couldn't help but think of I think go back to baseball because you have all these players that yeah they're loyal to the team but if somebody's going to pay them more money or if they've got a better chance of getting to the World Series on another team then they're probably going to take that opportunity. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sports loyalty is the same <laughs> uh, as political loyalty, or or maybe it's better. I, I don't know. Who yeah. Yeah. So, Joe, I want to want to talk to you about something that kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit, especially since I'm from uh, the L.A. area. I'm from Orange County, actually, and uh, my my parents still live there. But uh, I came in this morning, and and apparently North Korea has a missile that can reach L.A. and possibly even Chicago, and they've they've done some tests. But uh, I've also seen that the U.S. have has simulated some tests to to show North Korea that they can uh, respond and and blow up their bomb, for the lack of a better term. But have you seen anything about this? Sure, yeah. No, I think the uh, I think this, this situation is, not, not to make a pun here, but potentially the most explosive thing going on right now because right. you've got uh, uh, China pretty much backing North Korea or at least not wanting America to interfere in North Korea. And, you know, last week, last weekend, uh, there, the Chinese leader uh, really beefed up his military, sort of shrinking down the number. I mean, they have like two plus million soldiers. Yeah. Kind of cut back the army, but increased the Navy and uh, Air Force. Well, increased, said he wanted to increase 
those uh, the the Navy and the Air Force. That is uh, that's a very different uh, kind of more offensive uh, push than normal. So I, I don't want. I'm not a Chinese expert. I'm not a foreign policy expert, but but uh, at least some thoughtful people noted that uh, China was becoming a little bit more aggressive, maybe a little more protective of their of not just their perceived territory, but threats to their territory, including uh, threats to, to North Korea. On the other hand, we're sitting over here in the United States, like you're saying, within reach of these new missiles, uh, which could have nuclear bombs on them. Uh, but even if they don't, I mean, they could be uh, uh, deadly. And so, you know, we the, the no matter what the party is, the president's first duty is to protect the country against foreign enemies. And uh, so, yeah, I think this week is going to be very interesting to see how this this plays out because it's, we're moving toward what in the olden days was called brinkmanship, brinksmanship. Uh, you know, whether you have Donald Trump in there, whoever's in there needs to be thinking about, well, how do I protect the country against, uh, you know, potential assault, even from a little country like North Korea? Yeah. Oh, and it's just scary because uh, it's a little too close to home for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I grew up in the L.A. area, too. So. Yeah. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider here on the Matt Townsend Show, BYU Radio, uh, Sirius XM 143. Joe, it seems like President Trump is still trying to remind us of the fact that he won an election. Because he he makes this appearance at this Boy Scouts of America jamboree and then proceeds to to get the audience to boo Hillary and boo Barack Obama and remind everybody that he indeed won the election. I, I, I why does he keep doing this? I don't know. You know, that the, that speech is a tale of, uh, at least for, for me. Uh, well, my mom used to say, if people like you, you can't do anything wrong. And if they don't like you, you can't do anything right. So I've, <laughs> I heard people, I've had, honestly, I've heard people who heard that speech say, that was the most pro-American, wonderful speech ever. He showed those Boy Scouts how he knew the Scout O's and the Scout Law. And, uh, you know, and then a lot of other people heard the talk, maybe plenty more people heard the talk and wondered, why, why is he... There are there are all kinds of interesting deviations in that talk from from what a normal, you know, talk would be that, that many presidents have given. Uh, but one of them was, yeah, focusing on his his victory. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, he likes to win. I guess that's a, that's a big <laughs> deal for him. And, you know, but it's been six months. And what would be nice if, you know, and maybe this change in the chief of staff will help a lot. I, I don't know. But winning is one thing. Governing is another thing. Yeah. And, you know, let's get let's get down to, to governing. And, you know, honestly, at one level, you look at the appointments he's made. They're, in my view, and, you know, pretty terrific in the departments and the agencies. He hasn't made enough yet. And that's partly his fault and partly the uh, Democrats in the Senate's fault. But, um, you know, some of the lead people that he's named, and including, a, a, by my life, a, a tremendous pick on the Supreme Court. All of that's going really well. 
but then you kind of tumble when you come to the U.S. Senate. You got to get some legislation done, and he's lacking for. Uh, I, I don't know who to blame for all this. By by the way, at the Senate, I mean you've got. You only need, as we found out, you only need three Republicans to defect, and you can't win. Right. And um, so you're talking about that's uh, John McCain, Susan Collins, Susan Collins, and uh, Lisa Mur- Murkowski, right? Senator Murkowski, yeah, from Alaska, yeah. So, and one of those, though, I think, I think everyone knew Senator Collins was always a no. Uh, Murkowski signaled pretty much no. Uh, uh, before the vote, but it was kind of a surprise with McCain. I mean, McCain had voted against, I mean, voted to uh, replace and repeal and replace Obamacare. He campaigned on it, a a, a notable critic. And then he shows up on, you know, you know, a, a fairly benign as these things go. I mean, this was not the full repeal and replace the so-called skinny bill you know, gave the president, gave Republicans, you know, some kind of a victory in this. And um, McCain shows up and votes against the president. I wonder if his health is playing an issue in this, you know, just realizing that his career might, his political career is is on the downward slope just because of his health. And maybe he just finally was able to say what he really wanted to say. That. Could be that uh, other other people are thinking that at the end of the day he's still and who could you, know, you could for you know forgive him for this still resents uh, uh, candidate Trump besmirching him as not an American hero. Yeah, uh, and uh, there are there are some rumblings of people kind of aware of you know familiar with McCain and the situation. You're saying you know he may not have gotten over that. Who knows? But uh, it, it was. I wouldn't say it was bizarre. I don't. I don't want to say that. But it was definitely unexpected. You recall the whole issue of, hey, we got to wait on this vote till McCain comes back. Not not this vote, but the the earlier votes. And um, you know, he comes back, and at the end of the day, when you know, when all when all the cards are on the table, um, votes against. And, and it was that one vote, and an unexpected vote, that was the was the death knell. Yeah. Wow. So because of the the failure, do you feel like uh, Reince Priebus being ousted from his position, do you feel like that has something to do with his inability to help get the health care replacement bill passed? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, you really have in the Senate right now, it's three votes. Three votes could turn it. And on that particular bill, you had several sets of two to three votes that could have gone the other way. So if if, uh, McConnell, for example, had made the bill a little bit more to the liking of Collins and or if he knew McCain and or uh, Murkowski, then all of a sudden you would have had, uh, you know, maybe Portman, uh, maybe uh, uh, Mike Lee, maybe uh, 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 Rand Paul have another set of three that would have also tanked it. So I, I think it's the, what would have really illuminated to me, just looking from the outside, it illuminates the, the problem of, of a, a, a narrow majority and a majority that is not unified ideologically. 
so you've got a, a range of senators there, some of whom are from states that uh, you know they're you know that are blue states, and they want to make sure that they they're they're blue or purple states. They want to make sure they keep their their jobs. Although the most vulnerable Republican senator right now, Senator Heller from Nevada, is one of the I think he's the only Republican up for for a vote in 2018 in a state that Hillary Clinton won. So he's very vulnerable. But even he voted uh, with uh, leader McConnell. So anyway, but part of it is the fragility of a narrow majority. What I see happening actually in the, in the coming weeks, you know, obviously the sting right now on the part for the president and the part of a lot of Republicans is the, the anger is being focus on those three Republicans. But to remember that there were 48 Democrats, 100 percent voted against it. Sure. And, you know, seven to nine of those Democrats are in states that Trump won very handily. So I expect as we get closer to the election, you're going to see the president and the Republican Party coalescing around wait. okay, yeah, sure. We've got some we've got some ideological uh, divisions in our party. Let's just get rid of seven or eight Democrat senators in red states, and then we won't have that problem. So I I think that dynamic is what you're going to see in the next several months. Yeah. And Joe, just in closing here, what do you think we're going to be looking forward to, or what do you you think we're going to be seeing here in, in the next week? Well, it'll be really interesting to see how General Kelly puts his stamp on the, uh, on the White House staff. That will be very interesting. And seeing the relationship between the president and Kelly, how that, that all works out. I mean, Kelly is a genuine hero. So that's one thing to watch this week. And I've been watching like everybody else in bated breath. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, but it will be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. The other thing that's very distressing we don't talk much about is, and maybe we ought to talk about this next week, is what's going on in Venezuela. Venezuela is in the process of, it's on the brink and maybe, who knows, starting today, could be actual civil war. You've got just, just unbelievably distressing circumstances of poverty. You've got a dictator who just, tried to now give him give a new yesterday there was a vote to give a new assembly the legislative assembly the power to rewrite the constitution which apparently that he's aiming at at confirming his dictatorial status you've got unbelievable poverty and suffering and hunger people just not having food down there Um, the civil order is breaking down in, in many of the cities uh, it, it turns out that the Venezuelan government has sort of contracted big chunks of its government out to Cuba. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very nightmarish situation for what was once uh, the wealthiest country in, in Latin America. It's a very, it's tragic at many different levels, but it, just at the human level, it's just tragic. My goodness. I'm down there. Well, Joe, once again, uh... <laughs> 
No shortage of things to talk to you about here on the Matt Townsend Show. We'll have you back next week and and, uh, hopefully cover some of those topics in more detail. His name is Joe Cannon, and he's our Washington insider. We like to call him here on the Matt Townsend Show. He was the chairman of the Utah Republican Party from 2002 to 2006 and is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation. Go check him out on fuelfreedom.org. When we return, Terry's got some interesting topics for us, including uh, interesting fair foods. And we never miss an opportunity to cover fair foods here on the Matt Townsend Show, BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. I'm here with Terry South and Colin Tanner. Yeah, you got it right. It's been so long, I I couldn't remember your last name, but I got it right. Um, You know, there's a little place that is kind of a makeshift Disneyland, a makeshift Knott's Berry Farm. For all those who don't live on the West Coast, can't afford to travel there, there is the local state fair, which the last time I was at a, at a fair with my wife, I said, you know, I think I finally realized this feeling that I'm having while I'm here is depression. I'm always just so depressed, <laughs> like realizing, yeah, I'm, this is really happening. I'm really at the fair. And uh, maybe it's just because I'm spoiled and I grew up going to Disneyland. For, I'm from Anaheim, California. But... There is no debating that fair foods, foods that you get at the fair, it's something to get excited about, something at least to to do a double take like, oh, my goodness, they're actually selling that. And so, Terry, I understand you want to share some of those fair foods with us. You live a a privileged, (laughs) you do, urban life. Because the state fair tends to be more like, you know, they have the... Like a 4-H club will sure. oh, raise yeah. a cow and they'll yeah. have a competition. Or Biggest in, in, in Ohio, they do butter sculpting yeah. at the State Fair. So we'll have some stories about that coming up later on I have in the seen week. Weird Al Yankovic twice at a fair, and that was right. kind of my highlight of the fair. If you go to a State Fair, some, a lot of times there's a concert involved, and it's, yeah. it's a country singer that comes to the State Fair. You see a mashed-up car that some right. drunk driver had, you know, they, the cops are there trying to I remember, get their message yeah. across. At the Texas State Fair in Dallas, there's like, I remember as a kid, there was a weird cat acrobat show. <laughs> This dude had taught all these cats to do acrobats, and I remember watching it. It was very interesting. So they're uh, they're meant to celebrate the state and everyone in the state. So you walking in and feeling depressed, you're kind of you maybe know, I'm not happy about where I live. I don't well, know. No, what does no, that say I, about I'm trying think, to please you. I think I think you're you're just you're 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 not fully embracing the rest of whatever state you're in. Okay. You're living in a city, and you're like, well, this is what we do here, and then the state fair shows you what people do all over your state. But I, So I, feeling depressed about it, I don't know. I love the states that I've shows lived in where character. I've been to well, these sure. fairs. Washington, California, I'm just depressed at any state fair. No, I know. Okay. Just generally. I've, I've been to the state fair here several times, and every time it's like, 
Oh my gosh, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah. No fried butter? No. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So in Texas, there's Texas State Fair, famous for their food. They have a yes. thir- the 13th annual Big Tex Choice Awards. Yes. So people bring in their fair food, yes. which is always deep fried in some way. Of course. Mm. And they have a competition in Texas, mm-hmm. and it makes a lot of headlines because this stuff's kind of crazy, what they put yeah. together every year. So I'll read you a few of these. Uh, there's uh, battered beef jerky, so deep fried beef jerky. I would jerky. try that. Mm-hmm. Fried redneck wedding cake balls. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure exactly. Cajun fried deviled eggs. Ooh. Uh, no. This is not going well. All right. Fried sloppy Joe flautas with nacho fries. Absolutely, I would try that. Nacho, N O T C H O. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, inferring that they're not mine right. to eat. They're um, nachos. Crawfish yeah. lollipops. No. Whoa. No. Texas fried dirt? No way. Is it literally not, not dirt? Not sure. Not sure. I have okay. no idea what these things are. That's probably crushed up already. Deep fried bacon wrapped mozzarella with jalapeno? Yeah. Ooh, okay. that sounds delicious. Ranch fried Texas sheet cake? Texas sheet cake's really it's not good. Like there's itself. ranch dressing in it. I have no it. idea. Okay. I have no idea. I, yeah, I would try it. Deep fried breakfast cupcake? Uh, is that just cupcake. a muffin? Could a be. breakfast Could cupcake be. is a muffin the last time uh, I checked. <laughs> funnel cake bacon queso burger? Absolutely. Ooh, okay, the deep fried chicken noodle soup on a stick? Uh, no, I would Gulf Coast. Wait, how do you get soup I, on I, a I, stick? You, you have to I, freeze it. Oh, my god! I guess. But doesn't the frying? Never mind. Uh, Don't think fr- too much about deep it. Deep fried root beer float with dragon's breath. Uh, this is like a witch's? Like I'm a, not a, sure. <laughs> Did they have to go back in time to, to capture, to bottle the dragon's breath? A ramen grasshopper cookie. Wow. <sighs> grasshopper cookie. And finally, the fried cheesecake stuffed apple sundae. Yes. Ooh, it just that sounds, sounds Yes and yes. And then they have a tamale donut. I'm not sure what a tamale donut is. Ooh, I love tamales and donuts. Is it just a tamale in the shape of a donut? Could be, could be. See, it's Texas, man. They're innovators. This is the only thing at a state fair that could lift my spirits and also uh, lift my cholesterol. (laughs) (laughs) Terry, once again, you've done it. You've done it again. We love this food uh, news, not only because it makes us hungry, because it gives us hope in America in a time when a lot of people are losing hope. Don't lose that hope because there's fried dragon's breath out there at the state fair in Texas. It's really hard to get. So, yes. So get it while the getting's good. And you really you have to slay at least five dragon's breath to get a, a bottle's worth of that stuff. Have you seen that Doritos commercial about unicorn tears? I'll have to show that to you after the okay. break. Okay. Unicorn tears here on the Matt Townsend Show. BYU Radio, Sirius, or Sirius XM 143. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio Sirius XM 143. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt here on the Matt Townsend Show. I'm joined here with uh, Terry South and Colin Tanner, and we're just having a grand old time, not because Dr. Matt is absent today, but, uh, you know, we we do have some fun topics that we're going to be talking about. We just finished uh, talking about different fair foods at a at a Texas fair, including 
fried dragon's breath, which I didn't even know was possible. Fried root beer float with dragon's breath. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Get if, it right, Jeff. If there's yeah. root beer involved, I'm on board Te- with that. Texas fajita fries? Ooh, yes. That Does that sound good? Yes. Surfing, turfing, tater boat? Tater boat. Yes. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. These Is are... the boat made out of... Tater tots? I don't, maybe it's like, or is it a huge tater tot hollowed out like a boat? Surf and turf, right? So you're looking at like steak and fish. Yeah, and then you take your potato, you hollow it out, you put all that in the potato. That's ah. like the definite. Like you're not. A, I think in order to become an American, you have to want to eat something like that. It's one of the requirements now. For yeah, citizenship. The requirements yes. for citizenship See, and a green card. The, this you have list, to eat one of these. This items. list of fair foods is on the test. Oh wow. It is. Would you eat this? And if you answer enough of them in the affirmative, you're in. <laughs> that's that's the, actually the only answer we really need. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, in rare circumstances, they, they put the surf and turf and potatoes or taters in front of them for consumption. And this one's <laughs> called a fat smooth. Sounds I, I'd delicious. I need, need a little more info on that yeah, before I sign up. Fat smooth. So you're is just it describing a, it. Is it a smoothie with like Crisco? What is that? Is it a Crisco-based smoothie? I'm not sure. Yeah. That's all. I'm going to look it up. That's all. We're not going to do those anymore. Yeah. Well, speaking of food, we we have a lot of stories in the news about people that are furious when there's false advertising involved. You know, you Mm -hmm. have people at Subway who get out their ruler and and they're upset when they're – yeah. Their foot long is not a foot long. It's like eleven inches, yeah. right? right. Yeah. Um, you ha- we've told stories about people getting mad because their French fries were too cold. Mm. We're going to be telling you a story about a guy who went to a Jimmy John's and was upset when they did not live up to their slogan, which is "Freaky Fast." Right. So we'll tell you all I mean, about that here in a minute. You have to follow through if that's your advertising. Absolutely. Needs to be fast. Yeah. See, but then the, there's there could be a debate on what constitutes freaky fast. Right. Freaky fast to me is like Superman fast. But if it, if it feels slow, then that, that obviously isn't freaky fast. You know, anything is faster than my experience at a Brazilian right. barbecue <laughs> that my wife and I went to on Friday night just to celebrate her birthday we went because we had a coupon. It's it's the type of place you really need a coupon because the meal is like thirty bucks a plate. So and it's one of those places where you have there's like a green light and a red light. Yeah. So if the green light is up, they keep bringing you all this meat and pineapple and fish and very good. Would you like some bison? Yes, I would. Thank you. Yeah. But to me, you know, I think we ended up waiting an hour and 20 minutes, which is a bit excessive. What's uh, your limit? At what point do you walk up? hours where I cut it if off. If you walk up to the, the receptionist check-in place and they tell you a time, at what point do you just get in your car and leave? Well, we got there at 6.30 and we had made a reservation for 8.30 because that was the soonest they could get us in over the phone. So we just said, we'll just go there and see if we can get in sooner. So when we got there... It had been bumped up to 8.10. So now we were looking at an hour and 40-minute wait. We are celebrating. We weren't going to go back to Tucano's because we only eat out at a restaurant maybe twice a year anyway. Right. You have kids. It's a hassle. Right. Yeah. So we just sat there and talked. And, you know, with any place where they tell you it's going to be such and such a time, you can always count that they're going to get you in a little earlier than that because they, you know, you, you what is it, they over... Estimate? Overestimate. The time? 
so that you can be happy. You're surprised at the service. Yeah. Like, wow, they got me in faster. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, did yeah, such yeah. a good job. Airplanes do it. You yeah. know, they, you they surprise you. Oh, we're gonna looks like, like you, we're gonna be 15 minutes early landing. You, you undersell and overdeliver. That's the one. Yes. yes, thank you. You 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 hung me out to dry there. You knew I was what waiting. I was going. For. I was waiting. <laughs> you could get it. But uh, yeah. Is so it, is it? Whoop. To me, that's a little slow. Uh, definitely not freaky fast. If the meal is going to cost more, are you willing to wait longer? Well, again, I think it was just it just sounds agonizing. We've already we've already waited this long. Mm. At, at a certain point, there's the whole sunk costs uh, argument, and we just we had to wait it out. And- did, you, did you have a sitter? Wow. <laughs> At the time, never mind. So, did you have a like a babysitter or something? We here? did, but they were free babysitters. They were my nieces. Oh, so they were babysitters. So, yeah. That's family. You're taking advantage, like I do. So again, so time that really wasn't a factor. If you had a babysitter on the clock, yeah, maybe. Well, you'd... we did have a nursing baby at home, so that eh, played into you can, it. You can, you know, plan ahead for that. But you go out to have conversation. So, in a way, an hour, an hour and twenty minute wait is sort of a blessing because you get to talk, hmm. you get to people watch. I don't know. And you get to uh, say, oh, well, we've been here a lot longer than those people. Why are they going in? You know, right. That's because everybody else was smart enough to get a reservation ahead of time. <laughs> anyway, not freaky fast, but it was it was freaky good. All right. You got the meat sweats? Oh, <laughs> boy, did we ever. That's, oh, That's man. what that place is, but right? It's so crazy because you can fill, you can stuff yourself crazy. I'd like the salad. What? You can be, yeah. Not here. We have meat on a stick. Come on. <laughs> you can be sitting there with uh, pains in your stomach because oh, yeah. you've just crammed it all in. Yep. And yet, when they bring that dessert tray by, you, you can say to yourself, did, I think I want some of that. Or you're like, ostrich? Hmm, I'll try a piece, even yeah. though you're, you feel like you're going to die because you've really overeaten. There yeah. wasn't anything crazy like that. I mean, it, really? but it was, they brought out stuff that I've never had at a Brazilian barbecue. No they alligator? Had, no. No, the, the craziest thing they had was fish, and they had some barbecue huh. pulled pork, which was all oh, very I, I, delicious. I want them to come out and call like call it like critter. Critter? Like, we have some critter. What is it? It's critter. Some, You're not going to tell me? Nope. We what just species found, is found this, this thing in the back over by the, the garbage can. Yeah, some we critter. F- fried it up, you know? And they go, but we Brazilian barbecued it, so it's awesome. Like, all right, hand it yeah. over. See, but this is the one fast food establishment that you can really appreciate because any other fast food, or no, not fast food. Restaurant. Uh, all you can eat is there what, is what okay. I meant. Uh, any other all you can eat uh, item on a menu that you can get just at a regular restaurant, mm. you'll order it, and then you'll never, mysteriously, you'll never see your waiter or wait- waitress again. Right. Because they realize they're not getting much of a tip out of you <laughs> or much money. Oh, so anyway, right. more food news here on the Matt Townsend Show. But before we get to all of that, Terry South is here to tell us what's going on around the rest of the country. Terry? This is the case of the incredible shrinking airline seat. Ooh. That's how a federal judge in Washington, D.C., Patricia Millett, described the issue in a decision she and two other judges handed down Friday, ordering the Federal Aviation Administration review seat sizes and legroom on commercial airlines. Previously, the FAA has refused to mandate how much space airlines must ensure customers have on planes, but the judge's decision will force the agency to revisit the issue. In the statement out Saturday, the FAA said it is studying the rules carefully 
and any potential actions will take uh, we will take to address the court's findings. Flyers rights. It's an advocacy group, advocacy group had said it's concerned that small airline seats are actually a safety hazard, putting passenger passengers at risk for conditions like deep vein thrombosis. Whoa. That's a potentially fatal condition that can cause blood clots in people's legs. Advocacy groups like Flyers Rights have also argued that airlines may, may be out of step with the realities of Americans' ne- Americans' needs, particularly in light of the climbing obesity rates. Have you ever sat next to somebody on a plane that should have ordered two seats but only ordered the one? Yes. Yeah. It's they, it's super were, awkward, they, and you they know they're more, uncomfortable, too. They were more in my seat than I was in my seat, which— Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I yeah, they they do need. I mean, every time, you, every few months, you hear about another airline just kind of squeezing another inch out of there because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, or they take away space under the seat, or and then they charge more for carry-ons because they don't want you to have carry-ons. They want you to you know ship it or whatever. Right. So it's just all these different. At uh, some point, we're the customer. What True. about us? Yeah, and and it, it feels more and more like you get up in that airplane and you just sit down and do what you're told. Or they'll drag you off or whatever, tase you. And they're the the people that are just like right on the border of not having to order two seats might right. now have to order two seats. There's there's a point where there's been stories recently where someone was responsible. He ordered two seats. He realized, you know, he needed two seats and then they took a seat from him. Wow. And so he I ended up having to, he had to sit there and, you know, he felt, he felt like people and they, he said they were. They're all looking at him because they made this whole scene. He tried to explain, and then it turned into, oh, let's see what this guy looks like in his one seat. And Sir, we're yeah. only going to be able to get half of you to Chicago. Yeah. The other half is stuck here in L.A. There has to be a, a rhyme or reason to this. So yeah. the FAA is going to look into it. Police in Ohio are searching for a solid gold model of the module that carried Neil Armstrong to the lunar surface in 1969 that was reported stolen from a museum in the, in, uh, the hometown of the first astronaut to set foot on the moon, authorities said on Sunday. Police recovered the miniature replica that was missing from the Neil Armstrong Air and Space Museum after responding to a burglary alarm just before midnight on Friday. A police spokesman on Sunday said the model presented to Armstrong in Paris after the Apollo 11 mission had yet to be located. The replica measuring five inches high, four and a half inches square is one of three that the renowned French jeweler Cartier... That name. Whoa. Designed and fabricated one for each of the astronauts on the mission. So if you see one of these, solid gold, looks like a lunar module. They but, want it back. But that never happened, remember? It, it could have been on a sound stage <laughs> in Orange County. We don't know. Or Vegas, depending on which it's story not you want. Yeah. Uh, dock workers at 29 ports in California, Oregon, and Washington are expected to ratify a three year extension of their contract with shipping companies, union officials said on Friday, likely ensuring labor peace on the West Coast waterfronts until at least 2022. The contract at issue covers 20,000 dock workers at 29 West Coast ports, handling nearly half of all the U.S. maritime trade and more than 70% of the country's imports from Asia. Hmm. That's the part where the rest of it's like, okay, you know, labor, peace, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wait, all of our stuff comes through those ports. Yep. Everything you want when you go to the store, you're like, I want one of those. And one of the, all of that comes through California for yes. the most part. Oh, yeah. This says 70% of the stuff from Asia comes through those ports on the West Coast. So it's speaking, good that those guys are happy. Speaking of Amazon what? and California, wait. when we lived in California, we could get our stuff freaky fast. There we go. But uh, – not anymore. Now you're going to complain anymore. about it. But they are building a facility in Salt Lake, right? Uh, I don't think so. I thought they were. 
I want to look it up. I've been telling everybody I know about that. So They might be building a uh, server farm for their Amazon cloud service, which is different. So any cows at this farm or? No. Oh. Just a bunch Just of computer servers. terabytes. That will help Netflix function faster. And they move mysteriously. Um, and finally, last year, some 28 million cars were sold in China, making it the world's largest automobile marketplace. But the top reason Chinese car buyers point to rejecting a potential new car is how it smells. <laughs> they do not want their cars to have that beloved new car smell. I love the new car smell. That is so popular That's in this what country. I get every time I go to a car wash is the new car smell. So Ford is hiring an eight-team smell tester. Okay. For their Chinese research labs. Their job is to stick their noses on floor mats, carpeting, seats, steering wheel, all of it, to help eliminate what for many Americans is the smell of freedom and the open road. Freedom smells great, does by it? the way. As smells does like new car. A, smells like a barbershop mixed with barbecue and fresh air. Smells like the Texas State Fair. Does it? Yeah. I don't know if that's good or not. But yeah, so they don't like the new car smell. Okay, so... I don't know what you'd replace that with. I think a lot of people... Old car smell. Old car smell. A lot of people would complain about the Vintage. smell of their car. You... Uh, had an interesting article here that you wanted to share with us about the top consumer complaints. Top. And I, I'm wondering if smelling, no. bad smelling cars is on there. What do you think is the number one consumer complaint out there? This is from the Consumer Federation of America and the North American Consumer Protection Investigators. They surveyed 39 states, local consumer protection agencies in 23 states about the most common complaints they received last year. So the most common complaint when it comes to the consumer. Lack of two-day shipping by Flamazon. No. Okay. They're looking at more like what sector of business would generate the most complaints. Mm, I'm going to guess, and it's not, probably not the auto industry. No. I'm, I'm off on this. Okay. Why don't you just tell me? It's the auto industry. What? Misrep- That's right. <laughs> Misrepresentations and advertising for sales of new and used cars, lemons, faulty repairs, leasing, towing disputes, airbags that'll kill you, stuff like that. <laughs> That's a trap. Yeah. okay. Ah, what are you come on. About? Get over the airbag. So number two was home improvement and construction, shoddy work, failure to start or complete the job. So you got, you know, okay. pe- people locally show up. There's a, there's a commercial for some bank saying... I'm going to take out this load-bearing wall. It's completely not necessary, and I'll overcharge you by double. And the, the homeowner's like, sounds great, because everyone's being honest sure. in the negotiation. Where's food service on this list? Food service, uh, just services in general at seven. Oh. They don't, they don't separate food service in this. Because that's where I, I see, you overhear plenty of people complaining about their food right. whenever you eat now, out. Every state has a consumer protection bureau. Okay. And you can call a phone line to complain if you feel like you've been wronged in some way. Please do that instead of in front of everybody else humiliating yourself. Like throw it up on Facebook and yeah. just go, uh, Utilities, installation issues, service problems, uh, billing disputes with on the phone, cable, satellite, internet, electric, and gas service are all included in utilities. Yeah. A lot of people don't like their cable bill. Wait, the, what number was that? That's number three. Yeah. That one's two. pretty high <laughs> up there. Uh, four, Internet mostly. Four is retail sales, dealing with like gift cards, gift certificates, defective merchandise, stuff like that, fail, uh, false advertising, credit and debt, billing and fee disputes. That's that's up there. Mortgage modifications, mortgage-related fraud, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, credit, debt. 
Can you stop calling me because I didn't pay my bills, please? Health products and services, misleading claims, unlicensed practitioners, failure to deliver, medical billing issues, plastic surgery in Bob's garage, stuff like that. Does Bob do plastic surgery? In places in Florida, he has. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And then we talked about services there. Uh, It was seven. At eight, there's a tie between landlord and tenant. So unhealthy or unsafe conditions, failure to make repairs, deposit, rent disputes, things of that nature. The other one is household goods, misrepresentation, faulty repairs and connections, furniture or appliances. You get them and they're not what what they said they were going to be. Nine and ten are internet sales. So you hmm. purchase something online, it's not what you thought it was going to be. And uh, home solicitations, when they come door-to-door, or telemarketing. Oh, it's like every day yeah. in my neighborhood. Every day. Would you I, like some pest control? And one of the biggest ones there is the <laughs> do not call violations. Oh, yeah. Like, our, we're on the do not yeah. call list. Everyone you need to be on, we still get phone calls. Yep. And they're, they're you finding, can't win that one. They're finding ways to get around this do not call list. And, people just uh, want to. People just want to hear your buttery smooth voice. There's some time. In, there's some people in Congress that are trying to figure out a way to shore that up more, so that it actually yeah. you can't get around it as easy. But I don't know how. So a big one for me is those advertisements online for we lost him too soon or her response left the audience stunned or the rumors are true are you tired of being tricked yes like well, don't the, click on them. the chip and they're joke. pretty easy they're you called always see click, the one it's called clickbait, clickbait. Yeah. it's pretty simple to see i, it. I never like, click on them but they're so annoying you see the one with chip and joanna Gaines from uh fixer uh, upper yeah. all yeah. like every day joanna confirms the rumors it's like oh no did they get divorced you're just or annoyed that you see it y- yes well, i never click on it because i, I know by now you can, wrong. You, you can get an ad blocker <laughs> Really? Download AdBlock, start using Google Chrome, AdBlock extension, fantastic, will change your life. Except all the websites that ask you to turn off your AdBlock. That too. Yeah, oh. It's kind of annoying. I.E. New York Times, there CNN. You so yeah. you learn something new. There you go. So you could block day. those. Except the problem is what you're looking at is provided to you for free and that's how they're paying for it. So there's that whole commerce situation. Okay. You're not paying for any of this. People's livelihood is on the line and when you block that, you're taking away their livelihood. But I also don't want to go to dictionary.com and be reminded of all this stuff that I've looked at on Amazon. Clear your cookies. Yeah. I hate it when you're reminded of the stuff you just bought. I know. Hey, you I just, just bought this. You want to buy two I more? Just Come bought on. it. <laughs> wow. Man, I should have gone with my gut instinct because my gut instinct was the right one. And uh, maybe that's why I'm always hungry. Because I listen to my gut. <laughs> I don't know if that made any sense, but we'll go with it. This is the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio Sirius XM 143. We're going to be replaying an, an interview with Dr. Lori Shemek on how to easily rewire your brain for success with one simple action. We're going to tell you what that action is here in just a couple of minutes on the Matt Townsend Show. Do you remember that time you messed up your presentation in front of the whole class? Boy, do I. What about the time when you aced your exam? 
I don't remember that one as much. One memory could still evoke some feelings of embarrassment and the other feelings of pride. But what if you could edit your memories so that even your fumbled presentation at work could be a success? Hmm. Our guest today is Dr. Lori Shemek, and this is a replay of an interview that Dr. Matt did with uh, Dr. Shemek. She's a nutrition and weight loss expert, and she talks about her article, How to Easily Rewire Your Brain for Success with One Simple Action. Matt Townsend begins the interview by making the point that it is usually some subtle, hidden issue that keeps us from progressing today. It absolutely is. It's a, it's a huge issue because many people often wonder and are frustrated, why can't I move forward? Why am I not succeeding? And most of the memories that we have as we're growing up, for example, are filed in our subconscious. And as you mentioned, if you blew it in front of the class, well, that gets filed in the I'm not so great file right. okay, in the brain. And then if you got an A-plus, for example, on your uh, report, then that gets filed in the I'm good uh, file in your brain. So you store this memory, and then and they, they compile, and then eventually you begin to perceive what you've stored. And this is all subconscious. So these not-so-great files, unfortunately, tend to have uh, a great impact on many people. Mm. So it's multiple compounded experiences, or in some cases, even a, just a single event or experience. Well, one that, single event could then cause mm-hmm. multiple other fears and insecurities that, that then become compounding. Right. Yeah. And so um, this leads us to believe uh, uh, how we perceive ourselves, what we believe about ourselves, um, how effective we are, and how motivated we really are in life, and what we hold true about us. Hmm. So our attitudes and our actions now are all heavily influenced by our past behaviors and our memories. So our attitude and our behavior actually are the key components to our success. And so if somebody's sitting there and they just anybody driving around today and listening to the show, if they're thinking of something that they just don't move forward on, they know they should, they know they need to, they've got 500 reasons to, but they don't, is that a sign that they may have some hang up from the past? It is. It is. Because remember, why do we have these beliefs about ourselves? Yeah, they're, they're coming and from somewhere. They're coming from somewhere, and they're all, they're all subjective. They may not be true to somebody else, but in our minds they are. So it's really a matter of rewiring, if you will, the way we think about ourselves, the way we perceive certain situations. And, in fact, you can actually change your memories hmm. and make them benefit. That's amazing. So you can rewrite, you can change. I mean, by the way, the memory is not even probably complete, is it? it and it doesn't matter because my memory could be a memory of a four-year-old that only had one choice, but right. now I'm an adult that has 50. Exactly. That's a very good point. So you remember the telephone game where yeah. people take turns, you know, you whisper a message into the ear of the next person in line, yeah. and then by the last person, uh, the that person speaks out the message out loud. Yeah. 
that by the time that person gets that message, that ha- that message has radically changed, right? So it's been altered with each retelling, and it turns out that our memory is a lot like that telephone game. Hmm. We we think our memories are intact and impeccable, but in fact they are not. Every time that we um, retrieve a memory, it becomes less precise, and they found this through research. Wow. And I guess that's important to think of because your your memory's not there to make you become a great public speaker. Your memory's there to make sure you don't die. Exactly. It's a protective right. function. So yeah. even if it doesn't protect you with exact preciseness, I mean, even if it doesn't keep your stories precise and exact and fully uh, ripe and rich with data that are accurate, if it doesn't kill you, it worked. Exactly. And so uh, our memories really, if they... They, they serve a purpose. They keep us alive, for example. But, um, but, our, but we decide, our brain decides what's, what's useful and what mm-hmm. isn't useful. You know, the, the, but the problem is every time we retrieve that memory, it gets altered. In the same way, for example, our cells, when they replicate, they divide. Yeah. They aren't replicated perfectly. They change a little bit every time, and thus you have aging and ill health down the road. But the, the same is true as uh, retrieving a memory. It becomes less efficient and um, impeccable, if you will. Hmm. That's, a, that's an interesting way to, to look at it. And, and so some of these memories, you may not even actually retain the memory. You just re- you retained versions 500 versions later of the original memory or thought. Right. Like the fish story mm-hmm. your uncle keeps telling, right? It yeah. Bigger, bigger and bigger. Fish. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> so such a... Once you start questioning the reality of a memory, things fall apart actually pretty quickly. So many of our assumptions about the human mind, what it is, why it breaks, and, and how things can be healed are rooted in a mistaken belief about how experience is stored in the brain. So uh, there was a recent survey that showed that 63% of Americans believe that their human memory works just like a video camera, you know, um, recording precisely Mm -hmm. the events that we see, the the things that we hear in detail. And so, yes, we want the past to persist uh, because, uh, obviously, it gives us meaning and, and permanence, but it also tells us who we are. And where we belong, and the the kicker is is that n- nobody wants to hear that their memories are uh, not perfect. Right, and that's the problem. But they're not. And uh, so the good news is, though, that if they're not so perfect, the ones that you don't want to be, um, then that you want to be better and empowering, then you can change those. You can edit those memories. In fact. Mm. That that is huge, and that's one reason, I guess, why I, when we're when we're in a relationship and we're we're arguing about something that happened in the past, it's just memory matching. It's two people matching memories that weren't the same, and yet there's hope because we could turn it into something better. We can take these memories that aren't perfect and rewrite them into something that serves us better. Exactly, and you know the the eyewitness accounts. If five people are standing there and they all witness the same crime, mm-hmm. nobody perceives or has the same memory. There are always details that are different with every person. Right. And and some of those may not have even existed. 
Right, exactly. That's a very good point. And in fact, research has shown that when people retrieve their memories, they did a study with 9-11, and um, they showed that um, they actually surveyed hundreds of people, okay, about their memories of that awful day. And the scientists repeated the surveys at one year out, So the only way, by the way, to keep an accurate account of your memories is to actually write it down immediately so that it's written down. But so these scientists did this in this uh, experiment. At one year out, they surveyed them again. 37% of the details changed. By 2004, that number was approaching 50%. Wow. And so, you know, some changes were innocuous, and some people even altered where they were when the, fa- when the towers fell. So that's how things can change. Man, yeah, but it makes sense. And mm-hmm. so think of if you've been telling a story for 10, 20 years, it's, you're just lying. You're just a big exactly. liar. <laughs> and it goes <laughs> to, you know, when with people who are chronic liars start believing their own stories, you mm-hmm. know? So over and over, the act of repeating a memory seems to corrupt its content. Okay. So what does this have to do with me not doing, you know, calling a client that I need to call and I I just got to call or, you know, doing something in my life that needs to be done? Well, it's about going back to the memories that we have that are subconscious now. Okay. So the subconscious memories have a grasp upon how we interact with the world, how we perceive the world, who we are within the world. And so if there are memories that you have that you know are huge players, for example, if you were traumatized as a child, there were situations within the family that were challenging and difficult for you, uh, violent perhaps, you can go back and you can actually edit those memories to hmm. benefit you so that they have a pos- more positive outcome that you then can change the outcome of what happened to you. They've been doing this with um, post-traumatic stress disorder um, victims, and it's working remarkably well. So what they're doing is they're having these patients go back in time to the event and and talk about it actually and think about it and visualize it in a way that is not harmful to them and it's it's had tremendous success the people yeah are 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 actually uh creating different lives having better quality lives i mean i guess you could even just look at the story not through the victim being a victim um, but maybe look at the story through another lens. That's excellent. Yes, exactly. Like, Taking control. Yeah. yeah. Right. Having a sense of empowerment, knowing that you have the ability to edit uh, things that happened in your past. If it happens naturally, we can make it happen intentionally. Hmm. They actually have created a, a, um, a pill, if you will, that has only been experimented on with rats, but what they've determined is that um, when we retrieve a memory, certain proteins are um, are uh, triggered. Okay, mm-hmm. and it it happens right at the time <clears throat> of the event. So what they did was they took the rats, 
um, and they unfortunately uh, gave them electrical shocks, okay? Yeah. And at the same time of the shock, they, they had a very loud noise that startled them. So what they decided was that at they, eventually they took away the, um, the shock, and then they had the loud noise, okay? It scared the rat. Yeah. It, it, it created a frozen um, uh, in time, if you will. They would just stop. And what they did at the time of the loud noise, they injected specific proteins that erase the memory of the electric shock. And they weren't afraid anymore. Hmm. And it was interesting. So they actually are working on this with humans where they can inject proteins that will help erase specific memories. And it sounds rather sci-fi, but they've actually done it with rats. Oh, wow. But think of how that could help some of these soldiers coming back from war uh, with PTSD. I mean, this is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's these sets of proteins that happen every time we um, are in the act of remembering. But it has to – so in the case of the rats, it has to be done right then and there. Mm. Let's let's take a break, Lori. We're speaking with Dr. Lori Shemek. If you go to her website, drlorishemek.com, uh, she's a best-selling author, a radio show host, and she's uh, giving us some insight, information into how we can rewire our brain, actually re- rewrite our stories. Um, powerful stuff that uh, I think I think it's I, it can help. Can it? Think about your ability to go back and turn something from the past into a healthier direction for you today. Uh, we, that way we, we're not determined to have to keep being the same way. We can change ourselves by changing some of our thoughts. We'll take a break. We'll come back and be focusing on the, the rewriting of the story, how we go about doing that with Dr. Lori Shemek. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. How to rewire your brain, how to move on from some of those past uh, situations, those some of those traumatic events that may still be playing out on you today. And, and a lot of them are subtle, right? So it could just be something as simple as, why won't you just go have that conversation with your spouse? It might, you know, you might be avoiding conflict. And the conflict may have started when you were younger and ever since then, and you may not even tie it exactly to that, some event in your past, but if you're not able to move forward on certain things, that inability to do something might be telling you that we need to, to reevaluate our, our thinking, maybe rewire our brain a little bit. Our guest today, Dr. Lori Shemek, uh, is a, um, a, an author and an expert in, um, in helping people learn to, to kind of make change happen in their lives. She's here today to talk to us about her article, How to Easily Rewire Your Brain for Success with One Simple Action. And uh, Dr. Lori Shemek, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. You bet. What would you say, what is that one simple action then? So it's, it's going back and telling a new story. 
okay? It's rewriting a story. And we humans are hardwired, essentially, to tell stories. We've been writing, you know, uh, stories on, with pictures on cave walls. We love stories. And the reason we do is because it ties emotion to it. It has meaning to us. Okay, um, it's that powerful connection between storytelling with emotion that changes the old story that we have in our heads. So what, once you tie an emotion to it, you can actually re-energize the memory to a different emotion? Absolutely. So if you, no matter what you do, if you tie emotion to it, and obviously we want to change something negative to positive if right, right. You're, you're doing this. So you want positive injected powerfully in terms of emotion into the storyline, okay? Yeah. So if you go back and say that um, you, you didn't do so well on a, a presentation in front of your class, then you go back and you do great. You do outstanding and you're effective and your classmates are applauding you and saying, wow, I really got a lot from that and believe it believe it and you keep repeating it and the more you repeat this the more changes happen within the brain okay and what you're doing is that you're rewiring your brain and essentially neurons that fire together they actually wire together Hmm. so what you're doing is you're creating a neuronal path it's like uh, a grass path if you will if you walk into a field or a grassy patch that's never been touched, you bend the grass over the first tread through. If you keep doing this, the path gets more open, it becomes more visible, and then eventually you have actually created a groove, okay? And this is what is happening with the retelling with, of stories, with visual, with auditory, with emotion, with uh, tactile senses you every sense you can inject in there you must and the other thing is that if you uh, want it to be positive and bright in your life make it that way make it bright and large sunshiny research shows that the larger the image in your mind the closer it is the brighter it is the more effective it is in terms of changing it. And the same is true as if you don't want a memory. You want to get rid of that old memory. Diminish it, make it small, pinpoint, kick it to the curb, and make it black and white. No color, no shininess, no sparkle, and dim it. And you make and, it that way by just thinking it that way? So I just right. I think the bad memory smaller. Exactly. Very, very small, minuscule. And you repeat this, and the repetition is what is key here because, rep- like I mentioned, it's a neuronal change, and so your, your neuronal connections are changing. Your memory, you're editing your memory, you're changing it, and it sounds like, oh, yeah, right, you know, but it does have a marked effect upon how you perceive yourself subconsciously. So it has to be done repeatedly and consistently. Well, but doesn't your brain care if it's true? For example, so if I went and did a speech as a child that, Mm -hmm. and I blew it and I was humiliated and Mm -hmm. whatever, 
Um, so then I go rethink it that I didn't blow it. I nailed it. I nailed it. I nailed it. Should I be thinking of trying to rewrite the one where I blew it or should I be thinking of a new one where I killed it and knocked it out of the park? Both. Okay. So you want to, yeah, minimize the, yeah. the one where it, you blew it and then and then brighten, enlarge, and yeah. tell the story how you want it to be with emotion. And that's the key because really thoughts, our beliefs are really just thoughts. Okay, uh, they're, they're thoughts that we have lived with and believed for, for most of our life. Our beliefs are how we were raised, what we care about. They're really thoughts. And yeah. when you get into neuroscience, you can see how uh, it's your, your, your self-confidence can change just by changing how you think about yourself in a positive light. The, I would say that it is more important to be consistent about this than anything. So if you're consistent about it and you do it, because mm-hmm. it, it does take effort to do it, things will change for you. Well, yeah, I guess that just shows you, too, that your mind is your, it's your tool. It's not your master. You, you have, you, I, like, I believe we're agents, right, of change. And mm-hmm. if I take on the role of being an agent, even of my own brain, then and I consistently do it, like you say, I can make things be what I want them to be. Exactly, and that is it goes back to your point of having a sense of control mm-hmm. in the outcome of your life, and and this really does work because people who are confident about what they're doing are typically successful in their lives, and you can look at people who are in the limelight that are very confident and how you use them as examples of looking to see, well, yeah, look how confident they are and how successful they are. They tied the two together. Confident people also are not negative people, typically. Yeah. They're, they're usually very positive, and they all, all of this goes hand in hand with changing your life story. And, and so take the, uh, the, the things you want to become, the ideal kind of uh, the ideal person you want to be, embellish it, make it bigger in your mind, maybe mm-hmm. more detailed, more vivid in color, vivid in detail. In I mean, make it sensory so it's multisensory. And just by exploring that in our head, you're not just daydreaming. You're saying no. you are you're actually creating a, kind of a subconscious script that can then play that w- could eventually help you become what you want to become. Exactly. And it, again, it's subconscious as well. Yeah. So you're changing the, the old tapes that you've been telling yourself. I'm not good at this. I'm terrible. I'm not that attractive. I'm uh, not that intelligent. And, you know, the list goes on that was the things that we tell ourselves. But if you tell yourself every day and you visualize it, you inject emotion in it, eventually you will believe it. Yeah. But these little, these little messages to the brain, if you do it every day, change the way you perceive yourself. And then mm. your life changes. Oh, yeah. And th- yeah, then all of a sudden, I mean, d- even just doing it a little bit, you'd be less afraid of that phone call. Exactly. exactly. Or, or that conversation or whatever. Oh, this is fascinating. And right. wh- where can we find out more of this? If we go to your website, is that, is that the best resource to find your work and your coaching? It is. I am uh, at drlorieshemek.com is where uh, you can find me. Uh, my books, I have two books uh, out, 
Fire Up Your Fat Burn, and my second book was released with HarperCollins uh, recently called How to Fight Fat Flammation. Mm. And um, you can find those there. You can find me on Facebook and on Twitter as Lori Shemek. Good stuff. Dr. Lori Shemek, thank you so much for your thank time you. and this great thank insight. Thank you for having me. You bet. Uh, man, isn't it amazing? Just And again, it, it'll, it can work. It's just think of the consistency. You got to be in your head working the thought. And, and you can go practice now. Just take the history, the, the painful history, and shrink it. Like literally in your brain, make it smaller. Rewrite it. Make it crazy. Make it funny. Add things to it. Um, I found just simply helping people reframe the issue where they're not the victim anymore, but they're, you know, they are, they're just a child. You don't have to play the victim in every time you've been victimized. You sometimes can just move on. No, it's hard. But uh, if you also argue for how hard it is, then it stays hard. If you argue for how easy you can do this, it also can become easier. Make the case, folks, and you'll make your future. We'll take a break, come back, uh, wrap up this second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, folks, helping you see the good in the world. Well, we've been talking a lot about food on the Matt Townsend Show today. And, uh, you know, I actually don't have too many complaints when it comes to food. If I'm well-fed, it doesn't even really matter what the food is. I just like food. But apparently some people are not big fans of food, slow food, (laughs) meaning uh, they get upset when their food doesn't come to them freaky fast. Well, listen to this. A Boca Raton resident, Matthew James Visconti, a man who enjoys an efficiently prepared submarine sandwich, was arrested Saturday night after punching a Jimmy John's employee in the face for not making his sub freaky fast enough. That's just rude. I mean, I mean, Jimmy John's is okay, but fast. I I would never. It's I don't think it's anything to. Uh, it's nothing to write home about, or in this case, punch somebody in the face about. Hey man, if it's if yeah, that's false advertising, I think he had every right. Wow, <laughs> you might have some aggression issues there, Colin. No, I just love my Jimmy John's. So police were called to the Jimmy John's sandwich shop around 10 p.m. and met with Visconti, who appeared agitative and aggressive while complaining that he hadn't got his sandwich that he paid for, the report said. Visconti, who's 22, see, college student. Colin, how old are you? I'm 21. Hmm. So no relation. Are you He's related one. to Vis- – are, are you Visconti? Shh. <laughs> Okay, so he allegedly elbowed and kicked at the two officers before being handcuffed, and uh, he also wedged himself between two palm trees and had to be placed (laughs) in leg hobbles after he continued kicking at the officers. But Wow. I mean, no one's answering the real question. Did he ever get his sandwich? Uh, Here's another question. (laughs) Was there... Maybe alcohol involved or some other substance, because typically these stories do involve one substance or another. And uh, 
it ends by saying the police report said Visconti may have been intoxicated. Inebriated. Wow. Awful. I don't think I could ever punch somebody in the face, period. For a sandwich, yeah. Definitely not over a sandwich. And uh, not over a, a Jimmy John's. I think I might go in for a swing, but like my arm would physically, it would just like, it would just deflate. It just, <laughs> like I would go right in if I had any intention, but like my, my soul would just, would just drop my hand. I'd just be like. <laughs> See, now. I don't like Jimmy John's that much. If Dr. Matt were here, he could tell you why you couldn't bring yourself to hit the person in the face. Let, let's call him. Oh, he's sick. Never mind. He's sick. Let's let him sleep or more likely uh, what he's actually doing is watching Netflix as he likes to do when he when he takes time off from time to time. But that's okay. Is it wrong of me to <laughs> – I'm not going to go there because I was, I was going to say wouldn't it be nice to have a day where you could just sit at home and watch Netflix? But usually if I'm home sick, be. I – I'm put to work, as I should be. <laughs> That's no excuse. Anyway, we'll let him. We'll let him have a sick day, and when he comes back, he can uh, fill us in on on all the good shows that he got caught up on. There you go. But we wish him well, and we wish him a speedy recovery. When we return, we're going to continue the conversation on BYU Radio, uh, the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143. And we'll be speaking with Nicole Cunningham, who is the COO at Clarity Point Coaching, who's going to be talking to us about selfishness in our relationships. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning. This is the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm filling in for Dr. Matt today, joined here uh, as always uh, by uh, or with Terry South, our producer, and Colin Tanner, who's running the board, and his co-pilot for today is Alex Hyden. He's right there. And uh, I, I feel good about myself because Hyden is one of those names where it could be spelled multiple multiple ways, and I got it right on the first guess. You got it. You're one of few, I think. Yeah. Well, that's what I do. I'm a good speller. I can't say that about many other things that I'm that I'm good at other things, but I'm I'm pretty good at spelling. My last name means heathen in German, so you know where my ancestors came from. Oh, so yeah, good thing we turned that around. Now it's just a last name. <laughs> well, thanks for filling in uh, for me today, so I could fill in for Doctor Matt. But uh, we've had a great time on the show so far. We've talked a lot about food, which is something we never do on the show. Uh, we're also never sarcastic on the show. Never. Uh, I do want to try the dragons, the fried dragon's breath at the Texas State Fair. Root beer float <laughs> dragon's breath. Come on. Is that like a flower, like baby's breath? Not sure what it is. Maybe it's so hot. The Maybe the root beer float is so hot that after drinking it or eating it, I guess, if it's fried, you breathe fire. How do you fry root beer float? That is a great question. I don't know. 
Sounds like a joke. It, it does. No, okay. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you could freeze it and have like a root beer float sickle and then you deep fat fry that, but then it would melt, right? So how would that? I think I told you I was so excited recently to discover that a nearby establishment, we'll just call it Flay and Flubble You, huh. um, has a root beer soft serve ice cream that you can get. And it's so good. Why do you whisper? Because I don't want anybody is to it, know is about it. Trying, you feel like you're 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 <laughs> making the impact more by just emphasizing. It was with a, a dramatic. It was a dramatic whisper. But it's just root beer ice cream. But it's good. That's not a new Soft thing. Serve. It was so good. Oh. Why do they whisper on commercials? Zoom zoom. Well, I turned the TV off at that point. Apparently, <laughs> they don't want me to hear what they're saying. Speaking of whispering, hmm. we're actually going to have a people whisperer. On the show today. That's what we're told. Uh, Nicole Cunningham, who is the COO at Clarity Point Coaching, she's been on the show. Um, she came with Kim, I think, a week or two ago. Yep, Kim and Giles. you'll you'll recognize her because of her Australian accent. Yes, that was a good one. And she's a people whisperer. I'm not quite sure what that means, so I'm excited to learn more from Nicole Cunningham when we have her on the show here in about. 12 or 15 minutes or so. Um, I'm hoping that we have more food news. We told the story the last hour about the uh, the irate customer at the Jimmy John's that was disappointed that – to say – we'll say disappointed that his food was not delivered to him freaky fast. So he kind of made of an, an extreme reaction by punching the employee in the face. I've never been to a Jimmy John's, but now I kind of want to go to see if it's that good to actually <laughs> Just, have to punch someone in the face for one. Yeah. Well, tell us what you think. Just uh, And if you're not here because we'll know it's you're in jail. Well, yeah. I mean, seems like there are some other factors when he did that, but... Maybe. There may have been some intoxication. He just went crazy for Jimmy John's. It's that good. <laughs> I wonder if they'll use this in their advertising. Anyway, Terry South, what is going on around the rest of the country? U.S. government proposed cutting nicotine and cigarettes to non-addictive levels on Friday in a major regulatory shift designed to move smokers towards potentially less harmful e-cigarettes. How has this not happened already? I don't know. Shares of major tobacco companies in the U.S. and U.K. slumped in heavy trading volume after the proposal was unveiled by the head of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, with the world's biggest producers losing about $26 billion of market value on Friday. Really? So the U.S. FDA, we're going to cut the level of nicotine and cigarettes or, or look into it, and then $26 billion of market value disappears. I don't want it anymore now you, that it doesn't have the nicotine. you got to be careful. The FDA cannot reduce nicotine levels to zero, nor can it ban cigarettes. But uh, the head of the FDA said the agency would study regula- or regulated nicotine levels with a, new, a view towards the FDA's potential to render cigarettes minimally addictive or non-addictive. So drop that nicotine level to the point where it's really not doing anything for you. Why can't it be zero? Well, sure. Mm. There there might be some laws they can't cross at that point. It's just so weird that you you have to put an addictive chemical in this thing that's supposed to help you get free of that addiction. Well, that's the e-cigarettes. Okay. Right. They're talking uh-huh. about normal cigarettes. Yes. Make them less addictive, push people towards oh, e-cigarettes. Yes, yes, yes. Most big tobacco makers have long seen the writing on the wall and have invested in e-cigarettes and other alternative nicotine delivery systems, potentially mitigating the blow from any decline in cigarette sales. The problem is they don't know 
what the e-cigarette smoke actually does to you. Hmm. It hasn't been around long enough. They haven't done the intensive studies that they've done on cigarettes. So we're kind of in, there was this TV show, Mad Men. Yeah. Right, advertising agency. Mm-hmm. There was a whole point, a plot point, where they had a cigarette company, and they were trying to figure out, like, you know, this this Surgeon General keeps talking about how it's dangerous, but... I mean, they're from plants, so they can't be that dangerous. So you see the ad marketing going out about how these cigarettes are great for you, and like doctors are saying they're healthy. And yeah, so we're we're kind of at that point where we're not sure exactly what the e-cigarette stuff does, but we're trying to push you away from cigarettes to this other thing, and who knows if that's the right thing to do. I prescribe Lucky Strike to all my patients. There you go. Senator Charles Schumer says the Food and Drug Administration should launch a formal investigation into the health consequences of chemicals used in fast food packaging. The New York Democrat on Sunday released a letter he sent to the head of the agency asking for the investigation into phthalates, which are used to in plastics to make them more flexible. Some phthalates have been linked to health issues, both developmental and reproductive. People can be exposed to phthalates if they eat or drink food that has come into contact with containers made from the chemicals. Schumer points out that some types of phthalates have been restricted from use in children's toys. He said an investigation would determine how safe fast food packaging truly is. But they didn't name any of the particular fast food establishments? No. They ah. just said fast food packaging. Well, now we we just can't eat out, period. Now, phthalates made the news last week because they were they were found in certain levels in macaroni and cheese. Oh, well, I luckily I stay away from that. <laughs> so that's two two you know two stories in a row now. Sheesh, but, but I, scary. What's more dangerous, the phthalates or the actual fast food? The idea that I can no longer go to eat fast food is the scariest part. I don't know. So we'll have to have a study on that probably. Discovery Communications bought Scripps Network Interactive for $14.6 billion in cash and stock. The company's announced on today the move will add Scripps' portfolio of channels including HGTV Travel Channel and Food Network to Discovery's Animal Planet and Discovery Channel with investors largely positive on the deal for synergies that combined company will see and the leverage it will have with pay TV partners. Interesting. They try to sell the deal to investors. Speaking of HGTV, uh, did you hear that the rumors about Chip and Joanna Gaines, they may be true? So just make sure to click to find out more. Which goes back to a discussion about (laughs) clickbait that you can't seem to... (laughs) Just not click on. Others are more reserved about the deal as the numbers of cord cutters continue to rise. By scooping up scripts, Discovery will have 20% of total cable viewership and can potentially launch a, quote, skinny bundle of its of its networks going forward. So you could go to one of these companies that are trying to give you a streaming option for your cable needs. Yeah. And they'll have like a news packet, a package, they'll have a sports package, and you can you can kind of adjust a little bit what you want. You can also have as uh, one of these packages that'll have HGTV, Travel Channel, Food Network, Discovery. But think yeah. of 20% of cable viewership through those channels. Every time we decide we're going to cut the cord, we always get these mailers with these amazing deals, and it's like, ah! And then we get roped into another contract. It's like Al Pacino and The Godfather, which I've never seen. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. There you go. Yeah, it's frustrating. And finally, there may be vast stores of water on the moon, a discovery that could be good news for future lunar explorers. Brown University scientists detected large quantities of water in glass beads trapped in ancient volcanic deposits 
across the moon's surface, indicating that there's far more water deep below the surface of the moon. It may be that the bulk interior of the moon is wet, says the lead author. In a news release, he tells CNN the rock field spans thousands of square miles and may be several miles deep. It's more water than previously recognized until 2008. Scientists believe the moon was largely a dry planet, but then trace amounts of water were detected in glass beads from rock deposits collected during the Apollo 15 and 17 missions. So, so when the Earth is no longer habitable, we should all head to the moon. We could cultivate pro- and probably not that much water. Oh darn it! But more than they thought. Are okay. there transformers? They're on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> okay. We saw that in the movie. I thought Pink and, Floyd uh, was on the dark side of the you'll moon. You'll soon find out that the Inhumans are up there also. I mean, this is all assuming that the moon actually exists and is not a hologram, because some people believe that. Right. Not Whoa. saying that I believe that, but I We went it. from thinking uh, wh- that the moon landing was fake right. to the moon itself being fake. At one point, Shaquille O'Neal, and people are still kind of out on this, <laughs> whether he thinks it's real or not, but he goes, I walk out in the parking lot, and I look up, and the moon's right there. I can't see Los Angeles from here, so the moon's closer to where he was in Atlanta, Georgia, than Los Angeles is. Well, those that was wow. NBA players, they have all sorts of theories of flat earth and right. no moon. Then he smiled and everyone's like, did he believe that or not? We're not sure. Just to get us thinking. Then he said it was a joke and no one believes it. So, and Shaquille O'Neal is very real. When I go for my science, I go to Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Because he knows. Uh, you know what else is real? He actually made a movie called Steel. Yes. Based on the DC comic, mm-hmm. and I actually watched it uh, just last week. I'm really sorry. In anticipation for our segment, Silver Lining Cinema, yeah. and I gave a positive review on a movie that was just trashed by everyone else. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It was tough to do, but I found some positive things oh, about it. Go. Shaquille O'Neal, O'Neal made a bad movie. I can't believe it. <laughs> what about uh, Shazam? Shazam? He's in. <laughs> he. Uh, excuse me. It's actually Kazam. Oh, that's right. Oh. I've never seen it, but get your get your Shaquille O'Neal facts. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Mr. O'Neal. Wow. Dr. O'Neal. Um, he has I, a master's degree. He does not have a, D, a PhD. So. Terry, I'm really interested to get your take on this story that you handed me. Okay. Because um, it, it's, it's sparking all sorts of controversy, but not the type of controversy that I would think. There is an airport in Russia that is sparking controversy after launching a number of Women only car parking spaces. Right. So, uh, and it's it's really funny because the priority spots they've got these pink high heeled shoes mm-hmm. painted on the concrete. Uh, Just making to show. it clear who this yeah, is for. Only, yeah. fe- but you know, there are some men that I'm sure wear pink high heeled shoes. Well, so there might be a little confusion there. So it's at a Moscow airport in Russia, uh, as well as being only for women, the spaces are larger. Than normal, and I think this is where a lot of the complaints are coming. Yeah. This is because apparently women need more space to get in and out, as well as extra space for loading and unloading. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, airport bosses are arguing that women are usually the ones transporting children, Ooh. which might be another Good offensive point. remark. So that they they need extra space when they're parking. Right. Okay. Sure. So they claim it wasn't intended to suggest that they lack spatial awareness Mm -hmm, when they're backing in and out of the spaces. All women run into other cars when they drive. Right. But, of course, it's sparked a lot of criticism, uh, Who people claiming that it was a massively sexist and outdated proposal. Mm -hmm. uh, And one woman, Maria uh, Deniskina, sarcastically added, 
Oh my, this is happiness! Now I can finally stop making my brain work too hard while looking for a car park space.、Mm, very true. And Russians don't have the same sense of humor that no, we do. No, very not. So, no, and no. but that was actually quite a funny remark. I thought I've heard、uh, Vladimir Putin in press conferences, and he'd say something. The translation, you hear it, the whole place is laughing. Yeah, like tears <laughs> coming out of their eyes, and you're like, well, "That was funny." Doesn't quite translate. Yeah, so, yeah humor doesn't translate. So this has happened in、uh, I think China. Uh huh. They had a situation similar. Had a similar response. Women weren't happy. How would your wife respond to something I, like I this? I asked her about、yeah. this when I found this story. I said, "So they're saying women, you're transporting kids, need a little elbow room to move around, move the kids in and out. As a father of a couple kids, I do appreciate it when when you actually park all the way in your parking stall instead of you know creeping、yeah. up on my door and I have to like squeeze in there with a car seat. And I get that." Yeah, this is totally sexist. She she wasn't buying any of that convenience <laughs> argument. From you the know airport, what though?、So. I guarantee you, if if there was anything in the story about the proximity of the parking space to the terminal, right? I don't know if there would be as many complaints because I know that when my wife was pregnant with our third child, every time we go to the store, it's like. Gosh, there really needs to be like a pregnant woman parking spot here that's at the front of the store. Because in addition to you know being forty weeks pregnant, you've、mm. got these two other kids in tow. So it seems like if it was a really good parking spot, why would you complain? Right. I mean, the the people for whom these parking、It's, spots are intended are complaining.、Yeah. That doesn't make as much sense to me as you know a man, for instance, is like, oh, this is. They're getting all the good parking spots. It's the the pink high heel. The、uh, <laughs> that that that's the other thing. It's like oh, you have you've got to wear these pink high heels. And then you make it, you make it wider so that they have because you know they're like oh, women can't park straight or they're going to park too close and they hit the door. So we give them plenty of room because you know women. That's that's what it's perceived as. Yeah. Now that's what I say to my wife to get a rise out of her、sure. because it's funny. <laughs> But、uh, yeah. No, she when she was my wife was pregnant. She wanted she was mad when there was no maternity parking. Oh yeah, like you go、yeah. to what like Babies R Us or、mm-hmm. something. They have maternity parking. Right, they're not bigger spots. They're just closer to the door. Yeah, that's well, all she wanted. And usually, and and this is kind of a stereotype too, but a lot of cars being driven by moms and dads where they have a lot of kids. They don't have the doors that are opening wide; they're、no. sliding yeah, open. They're sliding so、doors. you don't really need the extra space for、I'm、a lot of these、sure、cars. Not sure the prevalence of minivans in Russia, but you, that's you, that's why I said here in the states. Yeah, because I have don't, them. I don't remember seeing too many minivans. Although the only vans you would see are just vans that people converted into a bus、oh, okay. that they would charge you money for,、mm-hmm. and I think those ones did not open wide. But、uh, yeah, you're not going to see too many of those. With kids inside and being parked at the airport in the stalls with pink high heels. I'm surprised they opted for the women stalls instead of the bear stalls because I heard they have like bears riding unicycles and motorcycles and stuff all over Russia. Maybe that's fake news, but I don't know. That's what I've seen. That was let's just say that was not my experience there. That's a、uh, shame. I don't think I even saw a bear. I don't even know if I saw a unicycle. Um, or did you say bear?、Thing. Or did you say bear riding a unicorn? Uni- oh, maybe that too. It's Russia. I mean, wouldn't that be、country. the most amazing T-shirt you've ever seen? A bear riding a unicorn, like cowboy style. BYU Radio merch. It's coming. Yes, I'm sure it's out there. Okay, strike that. Strike that idea from your minds. Patent pending on this. Not sure what we'll call it, call it yet, but I can just see it. It's totally something you would see on the BYU campus. 
somehow it'd be outlawed too, along with beards and uh, ice Coca Cola. There you go. Anyway, we kind of got quiet there, kind of whispered, which is fitting because our next guest is known as a people whisperer, Nicole Cunningham of Clarity Point Coaching. This is the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio Sirius XM Channel 143. We'll return with a discussion with uh, Nicole Cunningham. Sorry, that's a horrible joke. We've kind of been making light of the whole people whisperer thing, but we're actually super, super excited to have Nicole Cunningham back on the show. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. And you were here uh, a week or two ago with with Coach Kim, right? Yeah. yeah. Welcome back. Uh, let me just give our audience here a little bit of background info on you. So you're a, a master executive coach with 15 years of coaching and consulting experience. Nicole, you've dedicated your whole career to assisting companies, individuals, and families in Australia, Malaysia, UK, Singapore, and America now to understand, change, and improve human behavior and relationships. And that's why you're kind of known as a people whisperer because you know how to help people, and that's so important, and that's that's what we're all about here on the Matt Townsend Show. And uh, the last time you are here, you talked about the 12 psychological inclinations and you are also the COO of Clarity Point Coaching. Yeah, so I've been in Utah for 12 months yeah. working with Coach Kim. So we've had a lot of fun. Uh, we actually met in an elevator in India. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. That's a really great story <laughs> for another time. But uh, yeah, loving Utah and loving helping people here because human behavior issues are everywhere. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. And I, I want to preface – I'm going to give you a scenario here, but I, I want to preface – this is not necessarily the experience that I have with my wife, but I'll give you a scenario in case my wife is listening. I want to make that perfectly clear. So let's say a husband and a wife can't get along. No matter how hard the husband tries to please her, she says that he's selfish with his choices. He doesn't know how his behavior is selfish, and he's actually very offended to be called this by her again and again. Uh, they've been married eight years, and, and uh, he's afraid this might be something that they can't come back from, and he's feeling very resentful. And he's thinking that she's the selfish one, and uh, he's only concerned uh, – and he's he's concerned for her and not for himself. What kind of advice would you give for this type of a couple? Well, it's the perfect storm, isn't it? Yeah. Because both are insulted, right? And selfishness is such a big word. It hurts. It really does. It really hurts. I mean, we've been called that. I'm sure you've been called that in your life. Or maybe you're just perfect, not like me. <laughs> but it's this stuff is hard, right? And, yeah. and this is what happens. We get this projection and then I retaliate and I project back and it becomes the perfect storm. And you put a few years underneath or this vicious pattern. And this is where, you know, marriages can become unstuck. Yeah. So it's important for us to look at this clearly and say, what's actually going on? Now, if anybody projects, most of the time, it's actually them asking for love and validation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, selfishness doesn't come across as me asking for love and validation, right? Yeah. But all of us have bad behavior. And I think that's the important thing to think is that in this situation, neither is right or wrong. Hmm. They both are just in bad behavior because they're in fear. 
And I'd like yeah. to spend some time on that because there's not a single person on the planet that doesn't have bad behaviour. So all of those people who are driving in their cars and go, oh, no, that's not me and that's not my marriage. Or, you know, when we say this often at seminars, people cross their legs and their arms, that body language, oh, there's nothing about me that's bad. Yeah. You know what? All of us have bad behaviour when we're in fear. And we're either in fear of loss or in fear of failure. Now, fear of failure is I'm not good enough. So that's exactly right. what the husband's feeling in this moment, which is I'm not good enough. No matter what I do, it's never good enough for you, right? I think that's a, a huge and very real fear that a lot of husbands and wives have. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we're just full of all of the expectations from life in general. We do our best, but our de- best never measures up. Yeah. And then we've got the wife who's in fear of loss, right? So this is a really interesting scenario. Both of them are in bad behavior, but from different fears. Yeah. So the wife is in fear of loss, which is this is not the way it should have been. You should have done this better. How many times have you been shooted all over? Right? In a relationship. <laughs> you should have done this. You should have done that if you'd just done this better. Right, So then it becomes this perfect storm where both of them don't lean in to actually fix it. They walk away. Yeah. Right. And this is where resentment, the other big word in that scenario, right, is there's all this space that becomes, you know, it just fills up between these two people because both of them can't get into a state of clarity and see both of them just need more love. So uh, let's say I'm doing something selfish. And if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, I know that what I'm doing is selfish. Like I'm spending way too much time hanging out with friends or just spending alone time and not doing enough time or not doing enough around the house to help with the kids or to help with my wife is is it possible that part of that is becoming is because of I'm not getting validation from my wife and so I'm retreating to this alone time whereas otherwise I might not even consider doing that I might be a little more helpful around the house yeah so in that situation I see there's two things the first one you said which is hey I'm I'm not getting what I need from my wife so I'm trying to get it elsewhere yeah the second scenario is that your bucket's empty to begin with Ah, So let's look at that expectation that, you know what, I'm now married to you, hypothetically. Now you're going to fulfill all of my needs because it's just going to be blissful, you know, and it's just going to be incredible and I'm going to feel good all the time. Well, that's a big burden for me to project upon you. Absolutely. Whereas if I take responsibility <laughs> to say, if I'm my cup is full, I'm going to be better with you, which means I'm going to have realistic expectations of you and of our relationship. Yeah. Then I don't need to retreat at all. Uh, so how do we how do we find a good balance of you know not having unrealistic expectations, but also you know what we can be better than this, you can be better than, than this, I can be better than this. How do you find a good balance you know between that and trying to help the person stretch and become you know realize their full potential? Yeah. So what this is an exercise I like to give um, all of our couples that we work with is. Start a running dialogue via text because these difficult conversations can be hard in person and then you, you're less likely to have a bit of a blow up or to insult. So keep it basic. Keep it on text two or three every you know two or three times a week, every few days, just check in with your spouse, with your partner and say, what I need right now is... And it might be, hey, I actually need some time video gaming to check out because I've had a hard day at work. Yeah. Right? Or I might need more gym time or, hey, I need a girls' night out. And if that's actually said as I need this to be balanced, to be better for the family, yeah, it's going to be far better than me coming up and saying, hey, no, I don't plan to be around all weekend because, you know, I'm going to go out with the guys. Yeah. 
right? And then in return, when you do that, I can say, actually, you know what my needs are? My needs are this. Mm-hmm. So on a fundamental level, you can work on keeping those needs balanced. Okay. I'm going to give you another scenario. This one is actually true. This, is, this describes my this wife real. and me. Yeah. Okay. So she is very responsible very let's just get all the work done first and then we'll have time to relax time to play um i am am kind of on the other end of that like you know we've been working hard let's just let's just have fun let's play so clearly i'm the one that would be more likely to approach her and say you know what i i really need a nap today i'm totally exhausted i can barely stand up uh whereas she is one that is less likely to tell me that she, what she needs how what can i do to pull that out of her to to get out of her what she needs to make her happy or to to give her a break so you those, know that text message dialogue would be a good place to start okay. in terms of practical but before you do that you've got to have a conversation where hey honey would you give yourself permission to actually have your needs met Interesting. Yeah. Now let's look at that. There's certain, and we talked about this last time I was here, there's certain personality types, psychological inclinations, they're workhorses, right? If they don't complete that to-do list on a Saturday and Sunday, they don't feel like they've achieved anything. Now that may be your wife, whereas you're on the other side going, hey, unless I have a sleep in and I go out with friends and you know we play with the kids, that to me is a good weekend. Yeah, I got up when the alarm went off this morning. I'm, I'm accomplishing quite a bit. That's right. Well, what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. Right? And this is where those misaligned expectations can, can really be where this stuff comes undone, like that selfishness scenario we were talking about before. Yeah. Because if I have an expectation it's not being met, I can become insulted. And then I'm going to project onto you going, you're so selfish, you know, you haven't helped me all weekend. I needed to get this done. Yeah. And this is why I like the texts because you can actually check in and go, well, what's realistic? And okay, honey, you've texted me that uh, that to-do list for the weekend. I'm in complete overwhelm. How about I meet you, you know, halfway, give me four essential items and my essential items are I want a date night. Yeah. Right. And how can we negotiate? And I like this over text because it's then not heated in the moment. You don't have interruptions from children and you have an opportunity to really reflect before you text back. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of these misaligned expectations in bad behavior because we feel fear of loss where we're taken from then leads to really bad communication. Interesting. I'm going to I'm going to go home and tell my wife we need to sit down and listen to this interview because there's some, there are some really good insights here. Nicole, let's do this. Let's uh in a couple of minutes I want to come back and and let's talk about um I had a question about what do you tell people when they have sort of this score mentality in their minds of well you did this so I should be able to get to do that. And uh, we'll do that here in just a couple of minutes. We're speaking with Nicole Cunningham, uh, who is the COO of Clarity Point Coaching. And this is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio. We're speaking with Nicole Cunningham, 
who is a a life and relationship coach, really, and you've been helping people out all over the world. You're known as a people whisperer because a lot of the people that you work with probably don't know that they even have a problem, and yet when you're able to meet with them, you just know how to fix it. <laughs> I think we're all trying to be better, but I think absolutely I think we can't be better unless we know better. Yeah, and, and that's kind of we, we've kind of carved out a little bit of a niche there to say, look, we all have bad behaviour. None of us are perfect, but we're willing to work with you, and we're willing to do the work alongside you. Yeah, you know, we're not perfect either. And speaking of not being perfect, I think something that a lot of people struggle with, or that they don't realize is a problem, is that they'll kind of keep a, a checklist in their minds of, of things that their partner has done that has upset them and they haven't really addressed it, but they've decided instead, I'm just going to bury this until it comes out and I can use it against them or maybe not in those words, but they can use it when they're maybe being accused of being selfish. Yeah, it's Then like, they might say, well, well, what about this time yeah, that you did this? Yeah, on the 21st of January, you <laughs> didn't, right? Yeah. And, and this stuff happens, right? We keep this invisible tally. And it's so damaging because it brings in all this resentment. But more than anything, if I know you're going to do that because you've done it before, you're not a safe place for me to actually come and receive feedback or validation. And so maybe they go somewhere else Absolutely. to receive that. Ooh, yeah, that's or I dangerous. just shut down. I just think, look, yeah. it's not even worth it. And that's where we become, we have these issues in our marriage that never get resolved. Yeah. Because every time I come to you and I try and move forward with it, you bring up the past and it's not safe for me to be heard or validated or for us to come up with any kind of solution. Yeah. So, I mean, you hear people saying, well, we try never to go to bed angry. What are what are some other solutions for dealing with that so that you don't have this mental uh, tally in your, in, to bring up when it could be damaging? Yeah. So more than anything, you can only correct your own behavior. Right. Yeah. So we've got to be responsible for our own. So anytime that I get into that, I feel my fear of loss really, really strongly. So that's I'm hard done by. Life hasn't shown up the way it should have. I'm disappointed. I've been let down. So if I'm aware of that and I can flag that for myself and say, right, this is just fear of loss. I don't need to hold on to a grudge and make this bigger than what it is. Yeah. And the more that I do that, the more likely my partner is going to start doing that because I become a safer place to have conversations and discussion with. Yeah. Right. So don't go off the handle. Make make it known that you are in a safe place and you're a safe person to discuss these issues with. Yeah. They, you have to be. It's your partner, right? Should well, be the if one you want person longevity. That, yeah, yeah. It seems like that should be the one person you should feel comfortable telling these things to. Yeah. The problem is we've had generations of really bad communication yeah. that we then just mimic and we don't even realize we do it. And this is where, you know, if you have somebody who can be a third party and neutral, right, to actually mm -hmm. say, hey, what you're doing is this and what you're doing is this and it doesn't make you wrong or broken, but it's just fear of loss. Yeah. And you're in fear of loss, which makes you in fear of failure, and then it becomes the perfect storm. Both of you have the capacity to take responsibility and then do better. Okay. So hmm, what do we need to do today to get on that path? I mean, we, we presented this scenario at the beginning where the husband feels like he's doing everything he can, and yet his wife is still accusing him of being selfish. What, what is something that that couple can do today to get on the right track? Remember that everyone has the same value. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm only the product of everything that's happened in my life and my partner is too. Mm -hmm. So if I, can, I either make a decision to be in compassion and love with that or I stand in judgment of that. Okay. Right? So what decision is going to be healthier for us moving forward? 
for me to show compassion. Yeah. Right? You've had something that's triggered something for you because this has been something that's linked to stuff in your past. I, I'm no better. Right. But if I can understand where you're coming from. So really understanding where all this bad behavior comes from with compassion and love. Yeah. And if you're in a delusion that, that you're perfect, I mean, that's the first thing to drop. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because you only get into that bad behavior also. Right. So if we can stop being in ridicule and being greater compassion and love about where this stuff is coming from. Yeah. And then the second thing is understanding that we all have the same value. Mm-hmm. So if I can't see you with compassion and love of why it is that you're having issues and calling me selfish, then I shouldn't have that conversation with you. Hmm. Until I can see that this is you just hurting and you have the same value as I am, as I do, and that together we can resolve this together. Otherwise, if I can't see that, walk away until yeah. you're in a position where you're not going to make me wrong for my feelings. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Because all of us have the right to feel what we feel. Sure. Yeah. But unfortunately, in this situation where one's being shooted on, okay, and called <laughs> selfish, yeah. they're being made wrong for their feelings. So if I can look at that and say that's love and compassion, they've just got a really unhealthy right now way of asking for greater love and validation. Yeah. If I can't see that for what that is, walk away until a time that I can and see that this bad behavior is just another way of me trying to ask for love. And then just to kind of to wrap this, this up um, – you talked earlier about learning to know how to ask what you want. Yeah. So what what is it that we can do to know how to ask for what we want? Well, there's a difference between a want and a need. Yeah. So your wife, for example, let's and, and let's be sure we're not going to pick on her, okay? But there's <laughs> lots of people, not just women, there's men and women who have an attachment to a task list. Yeah. Because it makes them feel like they've accomplished something and, mm-hmm. and there's value in that. So let's think of that scenario. Now, is that a want list or is that a need list? Mm-hmm. So it's the same with everything. I want more time with you. Okay, that's fine. But I'm kind of in the middle of a big project at work. So what is it that you need and how can we meet the need instead of right now, if, if I could match the one, I would. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I like those two words I like in, in a relationship. Okay. My yeah. needs are and my wants are because I can always work towards being more of your want list. But if I know that I'm checking off a few times a week your need list, we're moving forward. And, you know, that it seems to go hand in hand with that type of personality, too, because they are very much checklist minded, yeah. right? But And a person like you, you might need more physical intimacy. You might need a date night. You might want friends in a date night because you're a very social person. Have you? Are you a flying on the wall in our I've home? I've got cameras or in your house. <laughs> People say that to us all the time, and yeah. this is the beauty of the psychological inclinations, which we spoke about last time. But your needs—you know—even though that it's not a task list, your needs for socialization and connection are just as important. So if you can both be communicating that via text, kind of as this undertone to all the other stuff that happens in your life, like baseball practice and dinners and you know getting kids off, yeah, then you're in a really good position to know that you're making progress. And I think that's what it is. Progress is better than perfection. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Nicole, I'm already super excited to have you on the show again, even though the next time you'll be here, I'll probably be running the board and just being a fly on the wall in that interview. But I'm excited nonetheless. Thanks. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I think I'm going to have my wife listen in on this interview. There was some good insight here and some good ideas. Not that there's not that we have anything major wrong. I want her to know that. No, but we want to work towards Absolutely. being the best we can, right? I mean, it can always be better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, Nicole Cunningham, thanks again for being on the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. Uh, anywhere we can go to find out more, is it just Clarity ClarityPointCoaching.com. Okay, yeah, excellent. Check it out. We're going to come back and speak with our good friends at BYU Sports Nation when we return. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show here on BYU Radio. We're going to be speaking with our good friends at BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jerem, who are going to be giving us just a little taste of what's coming up on their show here in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Spencer and Jerem, how are you doing? Fantastic. Happy weekend. I know your weekend was great because the Dodgers can't do anything but win baseball games. You know, Beware too much winning in the regular season, says the 116 win. Seattle Mariners. (laughs) Oh, I just looked that up today. You know, I I was determined to come in here this morning and not do the selfish thing and just talk about what I want to talk about. So I'm I'm glad you brought it up, but I I was going to show a little (laughs) bit of restraint today. Yeah, Kyle Farmer, first MLB game. And uh, he gets the uh, the walk off hit. It was his first at bat, right? Yeah, yeah. Who knew he could go from shucking corn to winning baseball games? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, super exciting. I had given up on the game at that point because it was getting late. But uh, yeah, was confused when I woke up and saw that it had been three to two in favor of the Dodgers. The Doyas. They just win. Yeah, they're winning a lot, and that's exciting. It's been a little while since the. I mean, the Dodgers have been good the last couple of years, but I mean, like getting to, into a position where the World Series is realistic and legitimate. Hey, it's, it's an exciting time. As far time. as success goes, this is the best team the Dodgers have had win-loss record since the early 70s. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, at this point? Yeah. Wow. And I think this will be the first... That mattereth not. This will be the July. first year in decades when the conversation comes up about the Dodgers going to the World Series where people don't laugh. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, you're spending enough money to get there. So that's yeah. So, um, how? What would you guys do for a Jimmy John sandwich? Uh, I would call probably pay and five bucks, pay five dollars, so. <laughs> and have them bring it to the building. That's what I would do. Okay, there's one by my house. Now, what would you do if the sandwich wasn't delivered to you freaky fast enough, as their would, slogan is? I would ask them to uh, give it to me complimentary. Okay, if, if that's if those are the terms and the the house rules, if you will. Sure. I'm okay. not going to be too picky, though, if I order it, like, hey, like, within, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are very realistic and very reasonable. Um, this thing, yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think a good rule of thumb for anybody, really, is don't uh, chew out an employee that is preparing your food. Yeah. It's always dangerous. It's always a slippery slope. But you're anyway. Running, you're, yeah. Your chances of eating something you don't want to eat are very high. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a guy in Boca Raton who uh, punched an employee for not making his sub freaky fast enough. Punched him in the face. And now he's in jail. Yes. Uh, you know, there may have been some in- intoxication. Maybe. <laughs> As these stories usually pan out, there there is some intoxication. But yeah, you're right. He's in jail. He didn't make that in three minutes. But those police showed up, and they got him in those cuffs very freaky fast. So yeah. This one time I went to an IHOP in Dallas, and there were there was a cop at the front door. I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? He wasn't there eating. 
Yeah, it's so delightful when the police are there when you show up to eat. When you have a police bouncer at uh, a twenty four seven restaurant, yeah, and it was like (laughs) one a.m. Watch out! After a BYU football game, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be sick." I love I love Jim Gaffigan's IHOP routine. By the way, I don't feel like hopping when I come out of there. I barely walk. Anyway, I know that's not what you're talking about on uh, BYU Sports Nation here in about five minutes. What is on the uh, the ticket for today? We are three days into BYU football fall camp, essentially ten minutes into a movie. You know, Ooh. just enough to get the adrenaline flowing, like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm engaged. I've been hooked. But really, we know nothing at this point, right? <laughs> However, we can be excited about things. So let the so speculation th- begin. That is where the conversation starts today. Three days in. Which position group is demanding your excitement and your attention right now? You can pick one. Like, oh, man, I can't wait to see what the tight ends do or the wide receivers or the running backs mm. or the quarterback. Which one has your attention and is generating the most excitement? We were at practice Friday. We talked to players and coaches. We will tell you what we saw, what's being said, and what we think about it. Plus, Blaine Fowler will join us in our two-on-one conversation with defensive coordinator Elisa Spicy Tuiaki. Yes, Yes. Is this different from Spicy Spicer, Sean Spicer, who needs a job now? Yeah, different than that. It is, okay. it is different than yes. that. Yes, Elias <laughs> is going to have Sean Spicer on the show today. Sorry. He'll give us the latest update on Big Mo Longy. Mm-hmm. What, what's the 6'7", 420-pound wonder doing on the football field? And, uh, yeah. And Colton Shaver. Colton Shaver? One of the minor leaguers from BYU who went, he went pro. He hit four home runs in four games. Crazy. And then got called up to the next level and hit a Grand Slam walk-off homer. Obviously, it's Grand in his Slam, debut. so it's homer. So when are we going to see him in the major leagues? Oh. Two well, years? Hopefully at some point. He's Two years, class you think? a short season. He was in the rookie league, and now he's moved up. But he moved up very quickly, like two or three weeks. Well, we learned last night how much difference a rookie can make. That's right. The Dodgers know all about that on multiple levels this year. Oh, yeah. Anyway, sounds like a great show. I, uh, I hope it's going to all... be a good one. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a great I one. Think, I, I don't know about great. Manage it'll the be expectation. Good. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> it'll it's be July thirty first. We're saving our great ones for manage the expectations. That's yeah. funny. Uh, earlier on the show, we were talking about uh, under promising, over delivering. Yeah. Key to happiness, right, Jerem? Yeah. Wow. BYU athletics. Well, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> we know this all too well. Okay. We'll talk to you guys later, and uh, and I'll see you maybe Wednesday night for the big softball game. All right. I don't think we're playing each other. Your name is, yep. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. All right. Have a great show, you guys. Thank you. Wow. That is going to be a great show. It in, will be. Coming up in three minutes and 50 seconds. You know the time, don't you? Well, because you've got a clock pointing right at my face. Well, so, I need yeah. you to know the time. Yes. Uh, here's another man that's upset, another customer that's upset, retired Florida firefighter who allegedly shot out the tires of two AT&T trucks parked in front of his house, told police he went bananas. Yeah, that's it's probably a good description. Good description. Uh, the trucks were parked in front of the Hialeah home of 64-year-old Jorge Jove on Wednesday while workers hung lines on nearby utility poles. The trucks were parked in the street, but Jove was reportedly worried about them damaging his driveway. 
A neighbor tells WSVN that AT&T trucks had done so in the past, and he confronted the workers. The workers told Jove that uh, they would move as soon as they were finished. Again, that sounds pretty reasonable, right? Yeah. Uh, Jove went back into his house, but police say he returned about an hour later with a Ruger 357 revolver. Cell phone video from the scene shows a man firing multiple shots at the trucks. Police say Jove shot out their tires and fired multiple shots into the bodies of the trucks. One of the workers was up in the bucket truck when Jove allegedly opened fire and couldn't come down. A responding police sergeant says Jove took a shot at the worker in the bucket. Ooh, that's a big no-no. <laughs> that's insane. Uh, but Jove is denying that he did that. Police say Jove fired at least 18 shots in all, stopping to reload multiple times. So usually the reload time is where you, where it should get real and you realize maybe this isn't maybe a good this, idea. 